Hello and welcome back to Beers with Buds. I'm your host, Andrew Friedman, the Cannabis Sommelier. Today I'm joined by my very good bud, Adam. Adam all day, Adam all dabbed out. Small, small music, small beats, the man with a million aliases. But I just know him <laughs> as my good friend, Adam. How are you today, Adam? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me down to do this. This is awesome. Well, thanks for being here. It's uh, it's great to talk to exciting, interesting people. And every time we get together, we have such great conversations. And I knew you were a natural candidate for the podcast. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming to drink some beers with me and maybe have some buds. Yeah, thank you, man. I've I, you know it's funny we've been friends for a couple of years, but I actually haven't really hung out with you too much. But the like less than ten times we've hung out, I've always left feeling inspired. So I feel it's nice to be back here. I wish you didn't live forty minutes away. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I had to live in suburbia land, basically <laughs> outside of the city, so that I could have enough space to have the studio. But the price we pay. Thanks for making the trip. I promise I won't get you too drunk, or I'll definitely feed you a bunch before I send you home. Yeah. That's fantastic. So why don't you just tell everybody, well, I'll give you a little bit of intro and you can you can fill in the blanks. Sure. So Adam is a music producer slash DJ slash entertainer slash serial idea maker, serial entrepreneur. Um, you, you just are in so many, you have your hands in so many different music collectives and you have such a great idea about networking and your music is fucking awesome like you know you make you. you make really cool music that's how we first met i was like i was in the calgary music scene i just want i wanted to find other people making good tunes and you were making the like really awesome music um so yeah tell people about your music tell people about the kind of tunes you make where you play stuff like that yeah, I guess I like I, I wear many hats. I'll, I'll go back a couple steps and kind of say, I guess, what I'm doing here. Yeah, please, because I have no idea. I'm just rambling on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have my own artist branding, so Small Beats, uh, and I make uh, lots of different bass music. Um, and I've, I've just uh, actually split my projects up because I enjoy making lo-fi beats as well, which is something kind of you, you and my friend uh, Chris, no idea, kind of turned me on to is like, a good way to express myself. So I have that project as well launching up right now. Um, I run Do You Digital, which is a nonprofit label um, based here in Calgary. Um, every year we strive to do a fundraiser and donate some money. Um, so the last two years we've done that. Um, and kind of coinciding with that, I've just started uh, doing teaching assistant uh, with uh, Legacy Children's Foundation, where we, we try to lead like Calgary's youth between 16 and 24 um, with music into to better decisions and whatnot. Um, and beyond the music, or actually, no, there's more music stuff. Yeah, more music. More oh music. my God. <laughs> so I got picked up by Cirque du Louis, which is a performance uh, entity in town that is kind of like Cirque du Soleil over bass music, which is super rad. Um, so I, I do a lot of sound engineering and design uh, as well as DJing for them. Uh, and that's been really cool. Like I had a TED Talks feature with them. And wow. uh, this year in April, uh, we'll be they will be doing their signature show at the palace, um, which I will be a part of. And there's a lot, there's local designers creating costumes, local musicians like myself creating music content and whatnot. It's going to be spectacular. Um, those events are incredible and they sell out. So if you are in Calgary, get, get your tickets for that as soon as they're available. Yeah, the, I, they, they really are incredible. And I'm, I'm not biased because I, I work for them and are part of this this thing. It's it, the first time I ever went to one. I think it was at the Old Vinyl, believe it or not, oh, which yeah. was Night Owl now and Greta now Bar. is Greta Bar. I'm going this afternoon. Yeah, crazy. And the first time I walked in there and seen the place decked out, uh, I'll never forget it. I nearly fell over. There was like people performing in different corners of the bar. Uh, like it... it 
it it was just like a club experience that I've never experienced before. And they've taken that to the palace and grown quite a bit. Now there's, you know, these incredibly talented artists like hanging from the ceiling and dancing and spinning and like you know what there's people being shot out of cannons like it does it's just like nuts <laughs> i need to I, honestly now that i'm thinking about it i'm like i need to bring the sir we people into some of these dinners i want to bring that experience into like a intimate atmosphere because it's incredible you know and when you get those amazing performers it's mind-blowing okay so keep talking about okay because you got a million other things oh my god on. what else do i do for music i teach uh music lessons um online internationally and from my house for people based uh in calgary and the surrounding area um as far as that goes that's kind of my my music endeavors i've been working a lot with uh some u.s labels rapture studios uh one in particular those guys have been so supportive um it's been crazy meeting people over the internet and you know considering these people like best friends and trustworthy and like i've never even met them right (laughs) but this year i i will be um but we'll get into that later um I think that's all for music as, as I had this other side of me where I am like kind of consumed with like plants and produce vegetables um, and everything. I, I worked for Loblaws for, for 12 years and I, I sold over $150 million of produce with them. But now I'm helping this uh, independent local grocer in um, Bonesse called the Bonesian grocer. And it's like, it's, it's really fulfilling because the company, we, tr- we go for zero loss and like, a crazy percentage of the assortment in the store is local. Like I'm produce specific and you know, we have people in Auburn Bay growing, you know, uh, produce in their, their garages, like these urban farms and we, we support them. And it's, it's gnarly because you know, these people are growing packaging, deliver, come to the store, meet them face to face. And they're like, this is my product. I grow it here. I love it. I believe in it. And you know, it's, it really, they've got a herb grow up in their garage. Uh, yeah. A herb, a, a micro herb, <laughs> a micro grow. <laughs> yeah. Micro grow, but not the, not the special kind. That's crazy. How does a, pr- a product like that actually get, how, how is that? a Like, I'm just kind of confused how, is it how like it's regulated, le- regulated and legal, right? Legal. Like, yeah. Just like weed. It's uh, you got to get, this is really interesting. Um, like I asked, this about uh, my, uh lean mean microgreens is the one that uh we are currently stocking and shout out to in. lean yeah. mean microgreens yeah yeah and um she's awesome she said that her daughter came home with some peace pea shoots or something and was really interested they grew them at school or something and she's like you know what i want to i want to work from home and i want to like do this with my daughter and like grow pea shoots in my garage because we are currently heating a car that my son doesn't even drive like what's the point like let's let's grow some vegetables it, like it was that easy she's like okay well you know the, the idea was that easy and then we went to do it and there's all these licenses and stuff but the city can set people up to grow these things in their garage that's mind-blowing basil microgreens like whatever you could possibly think i guess how is it how is it so hard to sell cannabis then that's just mind blowing that the city is like, yeah, you can grow anything you want in your garage and sell it to a store for people to eat, but you can't. Wow, that's crazy. That. You, you know what the funny thing about that is? I think it's like it's you know like cannabis, like nobody's gonna die smoking it. But and I don't want to say this about any other produce, but I mean there's E. coli and everything. Like there's still a risk of like dying if you're eating stuff. Not saying any of the producers that we support would ever do anything wrong to introduce those pathogens or something. But like, what's the difference? That's a food reality. Cannabis, though, of anybody or food. I mean, you can eat both of them. You can wow. like they. It's so weird. Like. I, I don't know why it's not just easier. Well, it's interesting to think that a lot of industry there's industries, excuse me, there's very little barrier to entry 
to get into those businesses as yeah. I learn, um, you know, about the prepackaged non-alcoholic drink world. As it seems like as long as there's not an intoxicant in it, it's or it's, or it's not an intoxicant, it's yeah. very easy to sell a product. And it brings me back to something my good buddy Mario Fabri said on episode number two. Um, if you can find something you are good at and yeah. something you're passionate about and figure out how it adds value to people, you've, you've, you've won. You've, you have a business. All you need is a little bit of patience. And yeah. I love that because this woman was like, yeah, I'm passionate about working with my daughter and I'm good at growing veggies and she'd never grown veggies before wow she's like i went on youtube and just this this is like the craziest thing youtube university she went on youtube figured it out and she's like it's been trial and error and just like a lot of passion and and her product is fantastic we have a chef at the store that has over 25 years experience and he she was at the store doing a demo a couple weeks ago he's like i need to meet her like these things last for weeks like we would get them in the restaurants they would go bad after a week and i i've I've noticed that personally with alfalfa sprouts okay um and other sprouted greens and and hers last for a couple weeks and the quality is still pristine i had some in my fridge for an entire month man like so he's like i need to figure this out like how is she doing it well she learned on youtube and she's only a year in and she's already creating a product and i think it's just because she cares so much that she's putting so much passion and you know when it's not right she's like she doesn't she, she won't sell it to me she's like these didn't sprout the way i wanted to and i feel like they should be better so you're gonna have to wait a couple days and i'll get the the best product i can to you that's it's, legit. It's, it's gnarly, man. Like being resourceful. And I've noticed like, you know, you've been resourceful. I'm self-taught on Ableton. I've been resourceful. Mm-hmm. You just like figure it out. And then you make like these like long lasting connections in your brain. Somebody opposed to being like, you know, you got to make the attack on this compressor 25 milliseconds and the release 80. Well, <laughs> you know, that's one set. That's a single recipe. That's like making butter chicken and being like, add this much, this much, this much there, you know. But when you like start making the connections yourself, you can tweak them to your own preference. And if you're putting the passion in your preference, is like a high standard a high quality you get to tweak those things until you reach it totally learn on the job that's crazy you teach ableton lessons and you're self-taught at ableton yeah you're mastering like i know lots of people come to you for mastering and for the people that are listening that aren't in the music industry mastering is when uh you've compiled a bunch of sounds but they're just kind of a smorgasbord of sounds you have to create layers of frequencies so that those sounds come out correctly and you can hear the depth of the layers and uh you do an incredible job at that like you're still these these are mysteries that i don't understand how you've yeah. taught yourself that but you have great music theory in your background you're classically trained pianist right and that was something you really enjoyed yeah totally uh the funny thing about that and the theory is is i actually fought the theory in classical piano and the reason why i didn't get pushed when like the us go back a bit when i was about eight nine i was playing at a university level mm-hmm. and i was trying to go through the conservatory but that part of it is 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 like knowing the theory writing these tests and i literally was like fuck this shit well, i was like kid. i want to play this you know like i was learning uh I, I love beethoven and i was like on the third movement of moonlight sonata and i just would not follow the the instructions that classical mm-hmm. music is like it was written this way this is how he wants it you play it exactly but i was like i want my i love beethoven i love the, the keys that he writes and I love the way it's written and I want my own interpretation of this and my piano teacher was like no 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 and I finally was just like screw fuck, fuck you. you fuck this I'm done you know and that's why you write music now and that's why I write music now because I can do whatever <laughs> I want and like yeah there's people telling me no and this and whatever and I mean it's I've realized it's all subjective and 
I just take the pieces that I feel make me better and the pieces that don't make me feel better. It's like, I just disregard. And sometimes they come from a good place and sometimes they come from people just not knowing what the fuck they're talking about anyways. Oh yeah. And that comes to who you send it to. Like, would I send a heavy bass track to somebody that makes tropical house? Like, no, that's retarded. That doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> pick, pick your audience set and setting. I talk about it in anything. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I have like a group of people that I send my music to that I, I respect. They make good music. I want my music to sound as good or whatever the objective piece is. And then I get objective criticism back that I can work back into my uh, progression. Who are some of your good go-tos that you can plug in right now that you like artists you like that people should check out on SoundCloud? Oh man. And are in your I, group, I don't want to miss crew. anybody here. So uh, I, I, I network a lot with uh, one of the, I guess like manager owner dudes of Rapture Studios, uh, Visiv. His name's Tim. He's been a huge support and we've like bounced ideas back. And the nice thing, about somebody like that is like we don't hide anything from each other like if i have that information there's no price to it there's no if i give you this you give me it's just like oh man here's this this new thing i found i think you would benefit from it and it's just like constantly collaboration like yeah. yeah um my friend johan omnist down in texas vector black carl alabama um my <laughs> the one that i bounce like I, I don't know why i didn't start with this one dude my roommate ting roberto um oh i didn't know you live with roberto yeah 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 like uh what a great guy we, we literally like bounce ideas and like just like n not even necessarily musical the ideas but like abstract ideas around like branding and networking and philosophy like like honestly 24 7 it's like a never-ending thing um and like i trust him to to let me know like what he thinks of the music or whatever and, and like we we've been growing back and forth like this like last year i got in touch with with cursa and he's like one of the most important things was like finding a, a mate to like bounce ideas off of and like work with you know repost each other's tunes support each other work together and, and it can't be something forced i wouldn't go do that with a tropical house dj yeah like the, you know we're making similar music we've got similar vibes morals ambitions whatever um and it's yeah that's been really good if i there's so many other people and i've like definitely missed a lot i'm that's sorry. okay those are good those are good people uh the networking thing is huge right like um like you said you have a lot of friends over the internet i meet yeah. a lot of people over the internet like how important is just like creating um a dialogue with anybody and everybody you, it, it's it's the most important thing because a lot of smart um passionate entrepreneurs like like ourselves like you'd be happy to give information to people right like i am i i, I, I send a message to every single person who follows me on instagram you're, same man that's the thing anybody that asks <laughs> yeah, me on facebook I, mess I, <laughs> I message them and i say hey what's up thanks for the ad like what's going on are you a creator what do you like what do you and it's so easy these are people just like you and like they are coming to me i had a like, crazy so conversation this morning i gotta tell you i gotta jump in this i i somebody followed me on instagram and then i went and liked them back on linkedin set up a call and it's somebody that plugs brands in hollywood movies and on the red carpet and with celebrities yeah and i was like wow this is a world i never thought about for cannabis marketing and now i have this connection to put cannabis in george clooney's hand if i wanted Dude. to and this is the thing. I had a thought about this recently. Like people talk about, they, like not everybody. Some people I've seen fail because they get in their heads. They're scared to network. They get one decline something idea, and then they're like, "Oh, woe is me." Or like yeah. they, they a lot of people wish. This is why people buy lottery tickets. Like I don't know. No offense. If I you buy were, one every week. Yeah. Do you? Fuck, man. 
I'm an addicted gambler, though. I talk about these stories. Okay, it's whatever. But, like, the idea of, like, wishing for something better, and, like, I feel like it can be, like, like, obviously you're not wishing for something better. We're here doing this thing, and, like, you're making your dreams happen. So, like, this is... Disregard me in this example. Disregard him, and and if you're making your dreams happen and and playing the lottery, cool. But just, like, as a society, I feel like a lot of people wish for things, and they think, man, Mm -hmm. that's small. You know, they'll see me in five years, and they'll be like, oh, that guy made it overnight, and he was in the right place at the right time. No, I was ready to intercept the uh, uh, the opportunities, like you said. It, what if you didn't message that person? That's yeah. a missed opportunity. Yeah, there's it's a missed opportunity, and all it came down to. And what if they said? What if they messaged you and said, "Fuck you"? Like it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Who cares? The next, 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 next. Like let's get the next whatever opportunity and it's not about being in the right place at the right time it's about like being ready to to intercept these opportunities and like expanding your awareness like for years i focused on my ego and my brand without really having a like you need like i need to create a musical product or like an idea to sell to people and for years i was trying to sell something that didn't exist Mm -hmm. and just selling my ego and i see that happening with a lot of art like young artists so like making kind of crappy beats and that's fine everybody does in the beginning but they're like really putting all their effort into like selling those and promoting them and spending a hundred dollars on artwork and it's like nobody wants it it's like until you would buy that product yourself by not knowing that mm-hmm. who made it for a dollar or whatever it is yeah then you're not ready to sell that and like no they should be showcasing their brand and showing people how bad they were to start and releasing content just constantly. showing their progress that's the best way to start is like hey guys i'm progressing and like reaching out to like people at your level like when you start producing do you reach out to base nectar no it doesn't make any sense but base nectar downloaded your tune yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like in the beginning if like it's like how do you get that connection right it it takes a long time well the music and the the product has to be good enough to make that connection if you in your world especially in the music world because or when you're selling the shitty product at least have it be wholesome so some of these seeds of intention that i plan don't pay off for a year and i'm starting to see it this guy um is looking to book me for a music festival in maine and this has transpired into like a two-week tour and wow. the, the reason why he's like i was like you know how like what like how did you end up finding me he's like dude he's like you don't remember he's like a year ago i was planning for some sets and you sent me some music and he like you know this is not like not the greatest, I know that, but he's like, you were so nice and like ambitious. And he's like, I've watched your progress since. And here you are a year later. And he's like, like, let's do it. Like people want to see you. He's like, I'll give you a good slot Saturday night. Like, Respect. Like, and, and I would never have thought that. And the thing is, it's like when I initially sent it, the intention behind it was literally just to spread my ideas and be like, yo, like give me some feedback. Like I'm really working on this. Like all feedback is good. Like I, I want it. And it's not like, don't give me bad feedback. Like, I don't care, man. If you had said Tell it, it sucked, sucks, it would have yeah. been fine, dude. Like, thank you. Like, cool. Like, I, wish, you- I wish more people had said my music sucked. <laughs> this is something that blows my mind because I, I listen back to a lot of my music and I'm like, wow, I made a lot of bad music. Me and Adam met through music on the internet because I had never actually met you in person. And uh, I reached out on Instagram when I used to have my Dfangs account. And that's how we got together the first time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wish more people had said my music sucked because I would have worked a lot harder instead of pumping out more music. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, but- it's really important like when people are just like, yo, this. But it's nice when you have the people that can offer a solution to you. They're like, okay, yeah. this is not right. Your drums aren't poking through. Like you need to turn up the volume. There's a collab tune we wrote together like two years ago that I still really love. Like, I love that track. The synth line I wrote to it is just heat. And it's like such a interesting combination of you and me. And I want to finish that track up. 
That would be gnarly. <laughs> yeah, or you know, you know, even we should maybe I'll just release it with this, and I'll put out uh, at the bottom of the podcast a private link to the SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. You can hear the unmastered, old version at at the tail end of my music career, and when uh, Adam all dabbed out was figuring out his 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 place and how to create it. But I love what you're saying about the network. Your network is your net worth. Um, if you're not ready to like create those relationships and Mm -hmm. then seize those outlier opportunities you're not going to be able to propel yourself to that next level like people think it's i talk about this i i don't have much of a place but people think entrepreneurship is super easy it's trendy right now like oh i can just do this i had said at the start of the canvas somalia that i wouldn't make a dollar from this for two years and now I'm fortunate enough to have created revenue streams, but not revenue streams that are like constant enough for me to feel totally comfortable. Like I would have at the job I just left. Yeah. But I'm so excited and I'm so happy. And the days where everything falls apart. Yeah. Didn't even feel like a good day working for somebody else. It felt better. Yeah. Like Does that, does that make sense? Like the worst day is still better than a good day working for somebody else. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, when I worked for Loblaws, um, I was selling about $15 million on average of produce a year and, and like I'm like anywhere from 500000 to a million dollars And that's no flowers. small feat because you were very, um, like they were looking at you like, how are you selling so much produce? And it's because you cared about the product. Yeah, we, we had good numbers and cohesive teams. And it, it like literally goes back to networking with my staff in, in there and like getting to know them. I employed the same techniques that I do now. Um, but yeah. Uh, I've like lost my my train of it's thought okay. on that one. It's a common. It's interesting to hear that it's a culmination of all the skills you take through all the jobs you have in life that kind of uh, amalgamate to creating a, yeah. a great person. It's taking that risk and taking that and, plunge that really puts you in a, a different place. And one, this is really funny because um, it's uh, completely random. My my girlfriend owns a blinds company, so she does custom blinds um, for new houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, she always talked about referrals, right? Like getting referrals from these customers, like that's the it's almost a guaranteed sale. So if I get a referral, the percentage rate of them buying is like ninety percent. But when I go deliver a flyer or get a lead, like the percentage of follow through with the sale is like less. And I, ca- I I've I've made that I've I've incorporated this with blinds, like so random compared to music into like my networking is like, will these people refer my music to their friends? And that's something that's like really important. Mm -hmm. It goes back to like the, the tropical house. Like, would I send my music to people that like tropical house? They're not going to refer it. So don't put any energy into that. So I try to figure out what people like, what they're into, and then send them specific music that they would refer. And that's, it's, it, it ends up being come, like exponential because it's, if it's I, huge. if I start really getting into these people's brains, then they refer it. And then, you know, maybe 25 friends see it, but of well, those 25, five refer five spread it out to another 300 yep. of the 300, there you, you know, go. 100 refer. And it just becomes bigger and bigger until the point where, you know, okay, I've got 10,000 referrals and of the 10,000, 1,000 will buy. There's a thousand dollars in my pocket from one Boom. song. Yeah. And on the macro, it's crazy to think like somebody told me that they watch my videos with their friends and they like with the cannabis and wine pairing craft yeah. beer pairing they were like getting the things after and they would try like last week's as they watched this week's and it occurred to me that people were sharing this experience with their friends and i would never see the analytics of them on the macro 
sharing yeah. it yeah. with their uh, network. But those are the best. Those, those are the most the, important you people. Can't, you, yeah, you can't pay for that. No. Like, the, there's not that, that needs to be a natural thing that comes from like your heart and like just like like people enjoying your content. It's and, like, like when I talk about yeah. your music, I love, you know, you make, you're one of my favorite people that's close to me that makes awesome tunes and so i get to talk about you authentically a lot and i and i think that that makes a sale it's like when you see when you're trying on a shirt in the store and the salesman's been pitching you and he's finally left and then some random guy is like yeah it actually looks really good and you're like okay (laughs) sold um i don't know i wish i i wish i wish there was somebody who was a planted like fake shopper to just tell tell people like oh yeah this product's actually great i have one at home you know, I, honestly, if there was a clothing store and having somebody in regular clothing that doesn't necessarily represent the brand of the clothing store and walking around giving people compliments would probably increase their sales. Guaranteed. That's actually a... It's, it's, a, it's a great idea. Yeah. Just like a re- regular Joe. You know what I mean? Peak just hours. Just like, yo, hey, you look... Trying that on. Yeah, you look really great. And I have, just like... Yeah, that's I have it. one of these at away. home. This is great. Yeah. Just thought I should say that. Yeah. The, the power of suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it sells me every time. If I'm in a store and I'm holding something, looking it back and forth, and some random dude's like, yeah, da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. If, <laughs> if random Joe Schmo was ready to tell me about it, and it's funny because I'm Joe Schmo constantly. Like, I walk into stores and I just start pitching people on stuff that I've already bought or I, like, know something about, and it always it always makes the sale. So, anyways, let's do... I'm going to sell you on this beer that I have. Okay, sick. Um, so, we have Hursere uh, Udbrun. Ale Brun Estidiole. I'm saying it with an Italian accent, but it's French. This is like a. <laughs> it's like a. Uh, it's from Quebec. It's a Quebec beer. It's like a. I don't. I feel like it's made by monks. Le Trois Mousquetaires. The Three Mousquetaires. I know that part in French. It's so funny. We see French every day, but I can't read any of it because we're Canadian and it's legally has to be on every single package. Um, but it's a strong beer and it was done in oak and it's it says the flavors are vinous so whiny yeah oaky dark malts and balsamic vinegar belgian inspired brown ale aged in oak barrels with a flora of acidifying bacterias and brettromyces yeast so let me break down that super nerdy description for you because that Dude, was please. huge um so belgian inspired it's going to be Belgian yeast to inoculate everything going on. Brown ale. because What does inoculate? I don't know. Start the fermentation. Okay, okay. Uh, then it's going to be a brown ale. So the, so the malt, the grain has been toasted, and that's how you get a dark beer versus a light beer is you're Dude, just toasting the malt. Ah. Uh, aged in oak barrels. We okay. we all get that. They yep. start in oak barrels. Um, with flora. And flora is a yeast that is present in sherry and it sits on the top and creates like a layer so that oxidization can and can't happen inside of it very specific taste of flora uh with acidifying bacterias so it so it took that strong malty beer and they're trying to make it like really like pump up that acid because they wanted to age it and then brettromyces is um something that is like an enemy in winemaking it's actually a dirty yeast that if there's too much of it creates almost like a band-aidy smell and flavor but it's very popular in like souring beers and it's a it's a present flavor in like a lot of things but it's only if you're like a super nerd would you ever like understand what brett tastes like 
Interesting. Um, so when you say sour beers, it's something that I just got onto this last summer. Um, okay. Because we own a food truck and, and serve at this uh, brewery in town called Zero Issue Brewery. And they had a sour beer. Is this a sour beer? Um. Well, we're going to have to taste it. But I kind of think from reading the description yeah. that, yes, this is a sour brown ale. Cool. Um. I wish I had known that you're into sour beers because I have a lot of sour I, beers. I'm not. I'm not into it. I've actually never tried it. But they had a big barrel and they're like, "Oh, we're making this sour beer and it's going to be ready." Oh, they, know, use, at this point. they use Belgian hops as well, Perel and Mittelfru, and then they got 100% Quebec Pilsner malt. Right on. They say serve it at 14 degrees. It's definitely a little bit colder than that. But a lot of beer that's like a that's like castle temperature. That's cellar temperature. Um, yeah, I remember being in London a few years ago, and all the beer was served like, I'm gonna say piss warm, um, but I, that's an exaggeration. But I remember being warmer, and honestly, not enjoying it just for the simple fact that I guess all my life, I like when I grew up in PEI, we just opened the door and stuffed it into the snow that was blocking us from like leaving the house. So I like my beer cold. <laughs> well, cold beer, it's hard. It's kind of like cold wine. A lot of people think that they need to drink white wine cold, but that's just because they're drinking bad wine or beer because the cold covers up the flavor interesting right yeah. you know agd like we just had is great really cold but as soon as it gets warm it's pretty gross coors light why do you think they put that mountain on it to make sure that you get it extra extra chilled because it is god awful when it's warm <laughs> I'd, I'd, oh it I is a sour brown ale it says it right on the front Brun, uh and it says three to five years age Date of production was in 07, 2018. So I'm a little under the age, but... And it's only 7% alcohol. Interesting. Let's pop this open. It's corked. It so looks really nice. It's like a 30 to $35 beer I think I paid. Oh my God, man. What a treat. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm glad I get to share these things with my good friends because it's cool. You know, not a lot of people get into this super nerdy beer you know, world. I I, I, I definitely I definitely don't know as much as you do, but I like I really enjoy beer and me and my girlfriend were picking up some beers the other day and we'll get like some AGDs or something, right? And then yeah. I, I always look at these bottles, but I usually don't go past about 12 or 11, like 12, 13 bucks is kind of my top out. But this is this looks like it's gonna be a treat. It uh, well, we'll see the, the, the gentleman that sold to me, I got this at Oak and Vine in Calgary. And he said it tastes like a sour cherry Coke. The bottle is beautiful. Yes. Uh, like they've really put a lot of attention to detail on the bottle. It's all the curves are beautiful. And I've got this beautiful. Oh, Belgian. the color is really nice too. And I got the right receptacle for it too. I have the, the Belgian glass and the head looks great. Color looks great. I'm uh, I'm sold on the beer here. That one's for you. And then I want to cheers too, before we start drinking yeah, for sure. But maybe you want to smell it and describe the oh, smells like you smell. Oh, that first smell was dank, chocolatey. I smell like almost fermented apples in the room right now. It's crazy. Now that that's like the first, it's like, yeah, I'm getting like apple, sour, like. Oh, that is a beer nerd beer. Holy, this is going to be sour. I can just tell from the smell of it it's gonna be so sour dude <laughs> it smells like uh okay do you want to give more flavor examples or should i should i start diving in i think you should man like i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> okay so it smells like a super underripe bing cherry juice that has been poured into like a flat coke 
and then there's this like really specific acidity behind it almost like you are eating a underripe blackberry but that acid the almost kind of bitter acid that's exploding on the back of your palate is the smell that i'm smelling on top past that i think there's just like that chocolate nest that you talked about but it's more like a cacao nib and yeah like, like an acidic chocolate acidic like, yeah. and bitter yeah, not yeah. like a process yeah yeah not, not like a, yeah you're not like a like a cadbury milk chocolate or something yeah no it's Cocoa like the nib. raw it's like the raw yeah. nib and uh yeah that's about where i'm at on the smell should we taste it cheers yeah, yeah cheers to the beers cheers to the beers and everybody who loves them thanks for coming off beers with buds Man, that's crazy. Wow. Whew. So I love that the that it's a that it's a a brown ale because it actually the maltiness cuts through the sour. This Man. beer would be way too acidic if it didn't have that uh, brown malt in it. Man, there's like a lot of dimension to the flavor. It's like I get that uh, as I put it up to my like mouth and my nose, I get that like cocoa nip thing. And then it's like this, like almost like candy, like mm -hmm. it's like sour flavor. cherry blasters with and, a bitter cacao nib with maybe like you ate like a little bit of hot chocolate powder and sipped a Coke Slurpee that had melted, man. Like if, so if you had poured this in the glass, and I didn't know it was a beer. I would never have thought that this was a beer. I didn't know beer could taste like this. That's cool. This is incredible. Uh, I, and that's why I love talking about like these really craft beers because they're so there's such a great place for beers in fine dining that are often missed and wine doesn't always have to be that pairing. If you're a beer guy, there are crazy beers from all around the world that taste like such. Yeah. I can see this being paired with food and, and it's when I usually go to a restaurant and get wine cause it, it like when I drink beer and especially the last couple of years, for some reason, it makes me very bloated mm -hmm. and this like, like almost instantly, like if I like have a couple drinks, I'm like immediately bloated. I don't feel like this is going to have that effect. Uh, I think you might be surprised. Oh God. Because the, the sour beers actually uh, don't do great with my gut. Like what I like about them is kind of plays on what you mentioned is I can't drink them super fast. Like this is definitely a sipping beer for me. Yes. Not, uh, I'm not going to have a another bottle of this. No. No, <laughs> but for the moment it's 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 delicious and it's unique and it's exciting it, it it smells nice it smells nice in here you open the bottle it smells different it it definitely does terpenes those are those terps and i talk about this constantly like the parallels between cannabis beer wine cocktail Dude, basil the new leaf basil guys in auburn bay they talk he talks about the terpenes in the basil too and Dude. he said it's very similar to cannabis yep it's like gnarly. Those basil terps are loud. Actually, I want you to set me up so that I can do a cocktail because I have a. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about what what it is just yet because I want to de debut it and not have anybody swoop me in. But um, I need you to get me some of his basil because I want to plug his company and I want to. Yeah, I want to yeah. do. I want a cocktail with Dude, it. These guys are are super active. Um, the sales guy. Clayton I can just buy it is, at Bonetian, I guess. For sure, you can buy it at Bonetian. I'll hook you up with them online. They're very interested in any sort of like advertising and collaboration with people. Cool. And like. I've been selling basil for the last 15 years here in Calgary, and this stuff is, like, absolutely the best. He, wow. When he came in and made the sales pitch, and if it's okay if we go on a tangent here. Yeah, that's what we're here for. He, uh, okay, he came in, and he's like, you know, hey, I'm selling basil, whatever. And I'm like, look, we already have, like, uh, a family 
business that we're they're selling basil and uh it was great good good basil there's nothing wrong with it genovese basil great and he's like this basil is more consistent the the veins in the stems are larger because of our system and whatever and and he's like it's gonna last for two weeks and i was like okay buddy (laughs) (laughs) so he's like here's three packages um i'm gonna leave and we had a nice conversation we nerded out on produce it was cool good guy let me see of your products right so i went on vacation for a week left it on the counter which you're supposed to you never put basil in the fridge if you do you're doing it wrong pro tip leave the basil on the counter not under 15 degrees um so i left it there came back two weeks later it's fine it was fine what? so we put it on some pizza no that's wrong we didn't put it on pizza first i made some spaghetti squash with uh with basil in it like pretty basic and mess so good since i made some walnut pestos and stuff and this like it, it's so good man like you, so you gotta it lasts try two weeks no problem last two weeks doesn't brown up super fresh the smell i guess the terpenes or whatever that comes through man when you open that package you get hit in the, like slapped by it and then the flavonoids are when you taste it so the yeah, terps flavonoids. are the smell and the flavonoids are the taste learning all these new words today <laughs> i love i love talking about terpenes and flavonoids i say it all the time cannabis but, and wine are the same thing but yeah how cool man they, they have an urban badass. farm in auburn bay as well in a garage so they're they're not that far away from you growing in a garage and um what they're going to be doing is building these pods in like a warehouse uh i guess they're 700 square feet and they can produce twenty four thousand pounds of basil in this vertical grow up a year it's twenty four thousand pounds from 700 square feet it's uh the, i guess the the owner the visionary whatever ryan has like a background in engineering and like robotics ai and he programs this thing to monitor uh the atmosphere and everything and it can switch the phosphorus nitrogen like it's just like growing cannabis forgive me new leaf basil if i'm like representing this wrong but it's 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 in it's insane how the room can react to make sure that this plant has the most stabilized clean environment and are they doing it in shipping containers did you say i think um i I haven't seen it yet and i i guess but i know that's a big move is growing in shipping containers i think that's what from what i've seen it kind of looks like but i don't want to just say shipping containers because i know that they've expressed that it's very clean and monitored and it's like cleaner than organic basil or like whatever so i don't want to say it's shipping containers cleaner than organic that's a big statement well, organic is is not that clean. Um, I guess because of the soil, right? You can introduce other pathogens. Like uh, these, like hydroponic growers, don't use pesticides or anything. And the only reason why, you know, when you think of organic, you think of like no pesticides, traditional farming. When you think of hydroponic, like I, I immediately control think of the water weed, table, but. People and the average person is not thinking that they control all the nutrients. And the only reason why hydroponic is not organic is because it's not grown in soil. I want to go on a tangent about this right now. Sure. So as stuff is rooted in the ground, like if a, a vineyard may be certified organic, but everyone around them is not certified organic and they're literally spraying foliar sprays that are carried in the wind. They're putting stuff in the soil and you share a water table hydroponics you create your own water table Mm -hmm. in organic growing um biodynamic anything any any of those very uh deep rooted agricultural cultures are still taking all of the crap from the water table yeah like as i understand um like nutrients and apples like 70 years ago for a specific or 70 years ago in the 1970s for a specific uh, example had far more nutrition because the ground was more fertile and if we continue farming the way we are now the 
the ground is going to be dead. So the fruit like is still there. It's there, but it has less nutrition. It's less dense in the vital things that make it healthy for you. So moving to hydroponics, they can inject with this artificial intelligence the perfect amount of phosphorus, nitrogen, whatever that's needed, mm -hmm. and make sure that there's no pathogens uh, introduced into the environment. And you can get like, like to grow 24,000 pounds of basil in 700 square foot footprint is like nuts. Like you, I've seen uh, vertical uh, lettuce farms in Japan and everything, and you get more produce out of a square footage, and you use less water, right? Like how much water in these grave fields, like, or whatever, a basil mm -hmm. field is like not even going to the plant, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can use like 90% less water, 75% less water, and that is going to be a very valuable commodity in the next 20 years, in my opinion, is going to no, be who has fresh water. That's absolutely huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Like um, I keep saying that wine will become illegal in the next decade because it's for it's an extreme luxury item and it uh, takes 500 liters of water to make one liter of wine through cleaning and irrigation and absolutely everything. So why are we planting more vineyards when uh, there's, a, uh, there's a water crisis? South Africa shut off the water last summer, and uh, but there's still some water being moved to vineyards and and because they shut off it in johannesburg in the city center but vineyards were still uh able to operate and at what point does um wine become extremely expensive an extreme luxury item because of a water crisis yeah what about when water becomes a luxury item and we don't have a right to it anymore that's a thing i think i started talking about this oh god uh, this is a big conversation <laughs> well it blows it blows my mind i think i went on a rant about this actually on the episode that came out today is that uh that asshole trump wants to spend all this money on a fucking border wall you know how quickly people would have given him 5.6 billion if he was like yeah we're gonna desalinify the ocean and we're gonna figure out how to make salt water drinkable water like why yeah. is there not more conversation about the extreme funding going to that but there's all this propaganda and media storm about the shortage of water but we have tons of water we have smart people that are just not being funded israel's doing it well that's because the good israelis okay my jew boys because they're fucking smart they're like we know that we need water this is important we need to desolidate the ocean bro think about all the plight the jews had until they ended up in israel yeah they're walking through that ocean moses is part in the red sea they, they don't are, got moses anymore they're parched no they got <laughs> scientists they got real they got real life jews trying to make that w and, and i mean wine into water israel was some of the like correct me if i'm wrong here you would know more but they were one of the first countries really to push the medical boundary on on cannabis is that they true are the they are the staple for medical cannabis in the world there you go desalination they medical cannabis like I like maybe I'm biased or something, but I still feel like two those two things are probably up there with the importance and like you know the 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 use of cannabis in general from like food to oil to bioplastics to hempcrete to to anything man mm -hmm. like to medicine medicine alone like I'm almost you, positive it was an Israeli doctor that discovered cannabinoids and that there was THC and CBD and that was in like 1968. Yeah, yeah. I th well, I mean. We, we could go into the Nixon era and the DEA creation of 1971 and, you know, there was reports from scientists saying, hey, this this attacks cancer cells. And they said, well, let's patent it because we can't do this with a plant. They couldn't get the patent, so they demonized it. 
Thailand just the prime minister just said that anybody with a patent they're trying to like revoke patents on uh plant medicines because you shouldn't be able to patent a plant which is brilliant my buddy uh i just met with a great doctor dr daryl hutchinson and he's doing some amazing progressive research he's literally putting like rosin and shatter and fresh frozen versus live rosin onto cancer cells and seeing what's happening man it's it's amazing you know i i have um you know my own issues i have extreme adhd and i use cannabis to 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 help me focus Mm. and like even that alone i feel like i honestly wouldn't prep live the dabs wouldn't live such a good life um if it wasn't for this and the adhd was to a point uh a few years ago where i was actually self-medicating with cocaine and for those people that don't know adhd is usually treated with amphetamines which is uppers cocaine is an upper as well and i was using it about seven seven times a week um seven days a week uh all day so adam was a cocaine addict i was, a, I was <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about this is i I wasn't always using cocaine to party. This was cocaine used to like do laundry, to answer emails, to live my basic life. And I actually got a prescription for marijuana. And I've been smoking weed since I was 13, but I've never looked at it and perceived it as a medicine. I've heard about it, but not in my own like, you know, my own case study. And she was like, the doctor was like, you know, tell me about your life. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be honest. I'm like using cocaine. Here are my ambitions. Um, This is what I want to do. And cocaine's helped me focus. Um, But it's, as we all know, not sustainable. Years of cocaine used to lead to paranoia, delusions. You know, you're not really perceiving reality correctly. And she's like, you need to, she's like, you have ADHD. She's like, this is clear. You know, you've told me your life story. What you're saying is you have ADHD. She's like, you need to start smoking sativas. She's like, try to smoke some daytime weed and like, it will help you focus. What a bold fucking statement. And this is not uh, a weed consulting or something. She was a medical doctor. She had practiced for 35 years. And the reason why she got out of it... Um, excuse me, I'm going to... Yeah, just have a sip on that quick. Okay. Just just a 15-second interruption so you can have some have some focus. Perfect. Um, oh, delicious. So she was treating a kid with, uh, I, I, I want to say epilepsy or something. And he was on okay. some uh, ben- benzos or whatever those are that they... Like the antidepressants? Something. Benzos are antidepressants. Yeah, like, I think was he on like Xanax medicine? and stuff like this is in the same same category. And she's like, coming off them after years of use is very dangerous. Like, if you come off, the withdrawal is more dangerous than the heroin. You can seize and die. Yeah. And she's like, the the other MD that was, was uh, she's like, I was providing with cannabis to relieve his seizures or whatever. And he was providing the other um, pharmaceuticals. And he pulled the kid off with no warning because he didn't want to work with somebody that was dealing with cannabis. And the kid seized and died. And she said that she's done with this. She's like, this is fucked up. It's She's like, the medical industry is fucked up and I'm going to support cannabis with all my heart because... And I'm not saying all pharmaceuticals don't work. Like, you know, you got diabetes, like you need insulin. Like, you know, there's certain things you need. Hey, we all still need Tylenol, whatever sometimes. Like, it's fine, but... Cannabis does play a huge part. And um, anyways, she I, I really believed her. And she also said something that was like really strange at the time. She's like, she's like, have you ever tried ayahuasca? Now, wow. I had some deep-rooted issues. Um, Progressive doctor. So growing up, uh, I didn't have a good family life. My so your family a doctor that asked No, 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 no. This okay. is a doctor here in Alberta. And I was like, I have not. And she's like, well, there's some science. This is about 
two, three years ago, two years ago, she's like, there's some signs out there right now where psilocybin taking about quarterly is helping people with depression. She's like, you know, as you go through your depression, as you come off cocaine, you're going to have some really depleted dopamine. And she's like, you're going to need some, some like, you know, recoup here. So started taking mushrooms uh, quarterly and I had done them before again, like <coughs> cannabis with the intention to, to get high and have a good time, not to like heal and manage uh, certain depression or mental illnesses. And I, it started to help. And then I was lucky enough to come across some, some, some DMT, um, like, which for the listeners don't know, that's the, the, the active ingredient in ayahuasca. And what I did is I smoked it every single day for a month straight. Wow. Um, when I go in, I go in fully, whether it's music, food, plants, whatever. Like I go to the full fullest send, extent. No yeah, full breaks. send. Um, and then afterwards, I, I totally broke my ego and everything. And I had some crazy experiences. You experienced ego death? I experienced a severe ego death. Like okay. I rebranded. Um, I started meeting people that were like positive, uh, and 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 it, it just like spiraled into control out of there. Like you know, usually things spiral out of control. Things started spiraling into control. Like almost like pieces of my life were like coming back and starting to function together. And within about four months of that, I had stopped using cocaine and smoking cigarettes. Fantastic. Cold turkey, no problem. It didn't make sense anymore. It was like the gnarliest thing to observe in myself. I'm able to to really sit outside myself and be critical of my actions. Not 100% of the time. Nobody is. If you were, like, you'd kind of be, like, almost like a god or something. Self-awareness is a superpower. But... But being, yeah, like, oh, it, it was gnarly, man. I'm, you know, almost two years clean of this shit. And, like, I, I had, like, cigarettes trip me out they're not like they're just i just see them for what they are they're useless they waste your money and they ruin your health mm -hmm. and that is like an absolute fact and if you think any differently you're kidding yourself so anybody addicted to smoking is really just not aware of what's going on and you know people play it as another well i needed it to break blah, 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 like whatever it's bad for you and if you could realize that you could spend your time and money on something else i told my old boss she she was training me at a calgary co-op um but she would keep me there hours later and she would smoke about 10 times every day and I don't take breaks. I work through, I eat very quickly. I need about 20 minutes every day to shit, piss, and eat. And that's fine, right? Yeah. At a, an eight-hour, 10-hour shift, whatever. Um, and I was like, you know, you're smoking. She's like, well, you get other breaks, and I skip my lunch, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, I timed you. Each break is 11 minutes on average. So 10, 11-minute breaks is like quite some time. You're keeping me here an extra hour a day, and you're spending like four grand a year to take long breaks, keep yourself from your family, and objectively ruin your health. And she was like... <laughs> what i was like think about it <laughs> like literally think about it and no offense if somebody out there is struggling with smoking like i get it i was there i couldn't quit i tried many times i was a two-pack a day smoker and i'm not necessarily saying smoke. go do dmt for a month like that could be very dangerous with your mental health um but it, it but your mind it, it, it yeah your mind is powerful and it worked to me i, I had this really bad uh, i suffer with migraines and i had a really bad one about a year ago when i was in the hospital over it and i was scared i was actually having an aneurysm because the headache was pounding so hard on like a, a like a bloodline um it turned out to just be a tension headache whatever but the doctor at the hospital was asking about what i do and i was like well here's some things that could affect my brain and i was yeah. like years of cocaine use i've been using ecstasy since i was 15 like all these things and i was like you know and then i did dmt and now i'm clean for a year at that point and she was like dm what i was like dmt dimethyltryptamine have you ever heard of it it's a powerful psychedelic it's used in shamanic uh healing practices in you know uh oh my god uh Give me the name of the country. Oh, I don't know. South America. In South America. 
just whatever and uh she she was like i was like there's this book called the spirit molecule that's the most digestible thing read it and see it like cured me of addiction and she's like used another drug to cure you use this like mysterious shamanic drug that i've never heard to cure your addiction i was like i swear to fucking god like i'm like i'm not lying to you and she's like this is fascinating she's like i want to know more and there's like another medical doctor like interested young or old young younger i'd say 35 they have to be young to become interested in that yeah it's well the medical doctor that was uh that wrote my prescription was in her 60s but wow there's there's special people that that poke through i've noticed recently that the generational gap gap there's um definitely a lot of differentiation and people that are in their 60s 50s often more than not sometimes they're like opposed to change and like sort of like shifting their paradigm to think cannabis is this like drug that you know, maybe jesus was giving this to people i'm not religious but like straight up let's say maybe jesus was healing people with cannabis mm-hmm. that is that makes if that makes way more that's more believable to me than he was walking around tapping people on the forehead and and fixing their ailments i see a lot of that in evangelism in the u.s and it's objectively baloney yeah um so i'd rather believe in something that makes sense in our reality and i think like cannabis is that and for people in their 50s to shift this paradigm because they've always heard that the marijuana from Mexico is bad and it's the bad hombres are coming over and they're demons and it's da- like, it's not true, but the shift is like, so it's, inc- it's incredible to see the acceptance and normalization of cannabis and to see it, how uh, different media outlets are trying to push that acceptance yeah. to those demographics. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw that Chevy Chase movie on Netflix. I don't even think you watch TV but uh i don't there's yeah so there's a lot of cannabis smoking in it from uh like a 60 to 70 year old demographic and i was like sick this is how you normalize cannabis consumption yeah and 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 the weird thing about this is people assume and this is like a weird conversation about history and like does history really exist right it exists in the minds of the people that have been taught something and wow we've been we've been taught that Forever, cannabis has been bad, but before the 1910, 1920s, it was actually the most cultivated crop on the planet. And if you had talked to somebody, let's say this person was 180 years old now, and they were born in 1870, they would be like, yeah, no, like hemp is really important. It's the most useful material we have. We're actually creating paper out of it, but we're competing with the pulp industry from wood right now. But well, and you know, these people would have believed in their product. They would have been yep. like, yeah, hemp, this, like we need it. it, it and, and that has disappeared over the last well, 70 years. Well, they just years. passed the farm bill in the United States. Are you up to date on this? Yes, I am. Which is mind blowing. But uh, for everybody listening, CBD is not legal in the United States. Like because the farm bill passed does not mean CBD is legal. I repeat, CBD is not legal in the united states so if you're being sold on that idea um please still be concerned it is a scheduled drug but hemp is able to be grown um it and in the farm bill it's supposed to be under 10.3 percent thc uh but it's supposed to be for an agricultural product not to start creating isolates and shipping them that's again illegal but it's incredible to see this shift happening and uh, people opening up but i still don't see a lot of hemp made products on the market not that like because it has been so um what's the word i'm looking for i'm just gonna go with safeguarded not safeguarded <sighs> detached from industry for so long but when hemp goods start coming on the market 
will the consumer shift be to spend a few dollars more to buy a hemp shirt hemp white t-shirt. and they last longer they're they're more durable they i'd softer. spend more money i would love if they were available i would too that'll be great the first person that comes up with a cheap white t-shirt Yo. made of hemp you know you know what there's a there's a local guy and i think it's called seed clothing i um, have i have the pants yeah yeah so there you go there's a hemp guy are they cheap no no but it's local and those things last for fucking years, man. I have I've people had that have three and a half years. They're rave pants. Like I shouldn't call them rave pants. They're, they're wearable all year round. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're at a festival or a rave, you need like good pants, like good shorts. And like my, I have friends that have gone through like, you know, 10 festivals a year for a couple of years with these pants. And they're still like, I, I bring my, like a pair of Adidas to one festival. And then they look like they're like fucked after one week of running around at Shambhala and these pants are lasting like a few years my hemp seed pants are dope so locally yeah fabrics i forgot i had those sarah was like why are you spending so much on these well you know what let's get real i'm they, I, th- I feel that they're a good value, but like uh, me, I'm a struggling musician. I quit a good job to do this. Like I couldn't go out and spend $150 on pants. Like, but yeah. I can still go to H&M and get the, a piece of shit for that. I hope someday that hemp is, is, is that cheap. We're getting hemp clothes and that's the standard. They're cheap and the people producing them are making a good living. That's H- the goal. H&M's recycling clothes now. They have donation bins so that you can send back their fabrics and they'll make more stuff with it. That's pretty cool respect yeah respect it's sick like, yeah i appreciate that idea yeah um but yeah how do we how do we make people consume less clothing and switch to better fibers man i think i've been having um lots of thoughts about this lately my girlfriend was watching this show about tidying and, and minimalization yeah Marie and like Kondo. you know we we yeah we Nef- spark joy dude yeah we like like how many clothes how much like i don't have a lot of clothes i have like let's say 30 articles like hanging in my closet and like i really only cycle through about six or seven of them and like all those articles cost a thousand dollars and i get like you know 20 but what if i only wanted six wouldn't that mean that i could pay more money get something that's gonna last longer and probably objectively be nicer too right if you get a 50 dollars shirt or 150 dollars shirt the 150 dollars one is usually pretty sharp yeah. And I've been thinking that. I've been like, you know what? Maybe instead of buying, let's say I buy a shirt at the rate of every three weeks. Mm-hmm. But like, what if I just wore, but then I don't wear them, right? You don't wear all these shirts you're buying. Well, what if you only bought a shirt once every four weeks, but then you spent like four times the amount on it and supported somebody local and something that was like, again, objectively better. Maybe it's better for the environment. Like with, dress, with clothes, dress clothes are great for that, I think. Because like I really have i was lucky i got some great hand-me-downs of some super quality stuff from like a doctor oh (laughs) and uh yeah the like and then i was i was fortunate that i could just buy a few nice shirts but i haven't really had to buy clothes in years because i i i was fortunate to have like good really good quality stuff and i didn't want to buy more stuff Man, when, when, you know what, this is, uh, I was thinking about this today. So this hat I'm wearing, uh, King brand out of London, uh, I was in London and they had a, a pop-up shop and I bought King stuff here. These hats were like 50 bucks and they okay. were, they were 15 pounds or something. Okay. So pounds, like 30 bucks, 10 pounds. Like, dude, they, they were like literally like $20 Canadian in okay. London. So I bought like seven of them and I bought like 
a sweater and like some other shirts and shit because i knew it was good quality yeah that was like fuck man like four years ago and i still i like i still have one hat left that is like pristine Brand new. and i've gone through the rest of them and some of them are now like sh- like really super shitty hats that i wear skateboarding they're covered in sweat but like i've been going through these hats for like years and they're still fresh and they still like are relevant as well love like, that that's a good deal <laughs> well the flip game on that would have been hype too you go drops are a crazy thing i was watching this sauce talk and uh drops didn't start happening until michael jordan started to do like release date like uh jordan started to do release dates but people pay so much for like cultured items just like you said this hat's like 50 bucks here but i paid like 20 bucks for it at the pop-up yeah you could travel the world here's my entrepreneurial idea if you like clothes and you have a good eye for it all it takes is like a plane ticket and all of your money and go and flip it and prove that you know what you're talking about and if you don't buy it all in your size so that you can wear it <laughs> and what's the worst thing that happened you're in your 20s you're in your 30s and you bought all the clothes that you like and now you get to go flex on instagram and try and create your business again like go work a shitty job i've had so many jobs i don't like just so i could have a paycheck um use that paycheck to invest in yourself what do you want to do you like hockey cards you like supreme hats you like yeezys i don't know i'm not into any of that stuff i like cannabis that's what i'm into um yeah anyways (laughs) there's there's my little rant i guess (laughs) yeah i think you could like you know starting up businesses and flipping products is like definitely a good thing to get into i mean we had a really great conversation about this before the mics were hot um about like doing something that you actually really care about. I mean, you've touched base on a little bit. You said you didn't think you were going to make any money for two years. And that's the same thing as me, man. Like I quit uh, a job that was almost six figures a year to be like, I'm going to sell music as a product and like whatever goes around. (laughs) Yeah, dude, I I wanted to be a musician. You're sitting behind the album I released. Like it's literally framing your head and I'm laughing at you. (laughs) Dude, like, (laughs) But you can, you know, it could be done. Like anything. I was laughing Hell at you. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. So you don't pay to smoke any weed. And you're like, no, man. Like people like want me to like review their products. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. It works for you. It works for them. And like, you know, this doesn't seem like work. It's, it's, this is like exactly what you want to do, but it serves a purpose. And in the grand scheme of things, like people are making money out of this, selling good products. Yeah. Like it's great. Well, I, I, somebody was, I was being taught about foreign exchange trading last night. There's over $4 trillion of trades done a year, or a day, sorry, and people are making money selling money between countries. Like this gen- dude I was talking to buys US dollar against yen, mainly, and literally creates money off the money he already had by just buying in through a day at different times in the day other countries' money and selling it back and forth. Money is literally created out of thin air yeah. from other money. Yeah, I mean, that's how it's, like, created, too. Like, you know, most of the money in circulation is, like, digital. Like, I don't know what the exact figures on that, but I think, like, 10% of money is, like, well, printed. Let's, as, as we have all these listeners, because it seems like a few people are actually listening to the podcast – like in your wallet do you have any cash right now 
dude i no, and you know, i don't have you, a dollar. check this out so here check out a crazy idea so um who suffers the most with this idea is the most vulnerable it's like homeless people right so what if a company created a card uh, the card reader for them to take um donations of money through uh digital currency instead and then took a cut of it now boom yo but is it is it moral Okay, yeah. so the objective of this is the homeless people would probably get more money because there's no the the cash and printed money isn't a thing, right? Yeah. If that's ten percent of money in circulation and ninety percent is digital, well then they're ninety percent more likely to get more money, which they absolutely need, right? Whether it's going to drugs or actually eating food is not really of our concern, but they need funds in some way. And like, does that person take a cut? Well, they need to like service the machines, make sure there's batteries, replace the ones that are lost. It's like that's where we are. And I was thinking of this the other day and I was like, man, like people that are at the most vulnerable, like there's two different classes now. There's like printed money and digital money. And those people can't operate in the digital money system of our society. So they're like almost like shut out from it. And if somebody were to create that product, do you know how much backslash they would get? Yeah. You're stealing money. You're stealing a portion of money from homeless people who don't have any. Like what a thing. Isn't that nuts, bro? Like, what? What a sick idea. How much money is donated to homeless people around the world? If you could give them... I know I've seen but, homeless people with square readers before. because But, cause but lots you of could them fight it. You'd be like, yo, they're getting more money. I'm taking my cut to service that. And if I took my business out of here, then they would get less money. So what's idea. the argument? It's not moral? Like, no, it's totally moral. <laughs> do you want to start a new business? I know the guy. <laughs> It's a really great idea. Like how many, honestly, how many beg, well, okay. So the, there's the lost leader is giving away a reader. You give you, so you give a homeless person a reader and a card. Yeah. Is what we're, we're saying. And then so they can just tap a donation. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) The logistics of like, you know, how many of them have cell phones and need a, a, like a square reader or like whatever, you know, you're your donation reader or like do you need to set them up with phones or like and how do you choose one over another who's gonna lose it who's not man so many people are gonna hate that idea and so many people are gonna love Dude, that it, idea it, and i'm not saying like go and do it it's just like a very no, it, the interesting are a hard the interesting thing behind this idea yes i think all good ideas come from exploiting something like my good, like my good ideas in in music come from exploiting techniques within Ableton that are hot right now. And exp- like I don't want to say like homelessness is hot, but it's like a big issue. It's a big and issue. And somebody could exploit that and make money from it by doing something objectively good. Getting- Social entrepreneurship is a hot word right now. And but it, and it's just it goes back again to the the thinking that people have like you know there's upper class, middle class, like pov- like lower class, whatever, and then there's people that exist out of the. the you know, the place where we use digital currency to buy and acquire things and they don't exist in that realm. It's yeah, crazy. Well, they it, live in a different reality, a different about, paradigm. We, we're we're, we're kind of closed-minded in thinking about homelessness. Think about uh, Africa where there's tons of people that are not in city centers yeah. that are not operating on a digital platform. Well, you know what is actually, that's, that's almost like, uh, for sure, there's there's a statistic I was looking at the other day. It's like you know like like the low end spectrum of like society that doesn't have a lot of money miss out on like uh, generations of um, technology. So a lot of these people in Africa never had a landline, and they get they miss that whole generation of technology moved straight to cell, cell phones. phones. Yeah, <laughs> like isn't that gnarly? And internet's free. And in like Africa. remember, like growing up, I don't know how much older I am than you. I'm, just a few years. Yeah, just a few years. So like twenty years ago, when you're in school, and it was all about like Africa and whatever. I wasn't in school twenty years ago. <laughs> 
damn, I was. <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm 31. So oh, maybe I'm like, yeah, I'm probably no, a little bit good. older. Okay, so anyways, yeah, you would like see them and they wouldn't have like phones or anything, right? But now they have cell phones and it's interesting because that's like at the bottom in like a standard. What about Cuba? You're stuck in... Com- have you ever been to Cuba? Um, no, but I have a, a you... friend that okay. I met through SoundCloud that is south american i think he's colombian and he was going through cuba and he said i follow his photos very interesting guy and uh he's like it was like going into a time warp it is it's insane least favorite place i've ever been in the entire world will never go back hate it got so sick don't Damn, care about really you. yeah some really bad things happen but just like flat out i would never endorse cuba a beautiful place though because of the natural the nature reserves and because mm. of nothing being able to happen but it is like a time warp there's so much untouched land all the cars are super old and people have had to figure out how to be ingenuical uh resourceful resourceful to keep them going and it's like if you want to build a house you got to like buy the you got to wait for the cement and then you got to wait for the bricks i have a buddy who's building a restaurant in cuba right now and it's been like two and a half years and oh, like, that's like Mexico too. It takes years. Well, well no, you Mexico, a- you could have it done in a day. I watched, I watched a, a building go up one time. So I was saying the second tower of a three tower development and this tower was going up, up, up so fast. And then the last day I was there, the whole condo I was standing in was all windows. Yeah. And I got out of the shower, I was put my gaunch on and literally the top two floors of this tower started crumbling. And like, yeah, people were dying all over the place what oh man yeah i watched hundreds of people die in that moment it was intense what the fuck that's crazy man <laughs> if there's some actual uh genius engineering in china where but, they can build 10 story buildings but it was in built really weeks. fast yeah uh, that's fast and safely that genius engineering was not applied in that moment but you can build it fat anything fast in mexico yeah that was intense i totally forgot about that. jesus christ man that's gnarly (laughs) Uh, going back to cuba though i had a question for you so so, like going back in a time warp and seeing cars maintained and usable for so many years is there any like beauty behind that like yeah the cars are amazing yeah so like the cars are great is there anything like you say it's like like a shit experience but like the overall and i'm I'm sure the food is one of them but like is there any like with people being resourceful and like do like is there anything to be learned for us because i feel like we go through shit like so quick um no i think they're stuck in a in a place that really sucks yeah i don't think the idea that you have to like work extremely hard or figure out a side hustle that's illegal to get ahead to then wait like no the rest of the world having open access to products is much better than being uh gated and having to be resourceful i feel bad for the cuban people and the food that they have to eat i got in a cab i said take me to the nicest restaurant in town and it was like so gross best mojito i've ever had the woman singing was beautiful. The food was disgusting. And was it was it the quality or the the blend of like like how they added like a flavor profile to it? Like? No, it's the quality. Cuban food made anywhere else in the world is fantastic. I went to an amazing Cuban restaurant in Los Angeles the last time I was there in October. Yeah, and the food was crazy good because the flavors and the culture is awesome. Uh, but they just don't have access to quality ingredients. No, because if it's not m- made or grown there, they can't have it really. Um, Damn, I you know this is like honestly, I, I the only thing I know about Cuba is 
the Trudeau thing and whatever, and he's like Castro's baby or something. Cuban totally cigars is. and like honestly, that that there's something with like missiles and the U.S. doesn't like them. Like that's all I really know, except you, for like seeing Havana in like because they video were on game. Rush, they were on Russia's side. Oh, and, okay, and, yeah, yeah. and in the Cold War, right? Um, Cuba was like a missile, and you can and they're see close, so the nukes could hit the from US, Havana. Right? You can see uh, Miami. And that's there's a big flag wall where you weren't able to see across in a telescope, but you can literally see with your bare eyes. Like that's how close Cuba and America are, and that's why there's so many Cubans in Florida because it's like it's like not a long boat ride. It's a it's a couple hours in anything you make. Um, but yeah, the places I don't know. Fidel Castro did not do a good job. It was interesting when I went because he was he's dead now, and he was in, he was like on his deathbed. And so yeah. I would like ask people working there, Cubans, and uh, you know they all really didn't like him. Like nobody was like, communism's great. And these are people that are living in it. You watch documentaries. I watched a great one on Netflix again of a of a journalist a canadian journalist who started going in the 1960s and it followed all the way up to 2018 and he went every few years and he talked to the same families and the same people and it was like extremely extremely sad there's absolutely zero prosperity in that country and with zero prosperity comes desperation and with desperation good hard-working people get screwed and that's what seemed to be the theme of this documentary and it was upsetting and that's kind of what i saw when i was there we got really sick me and sarah um with like no norwalk virus the whole we had gone out to Keo coco it's an island that's uh it's on a tramway or whatever through the ocean and it's basically just a resort island and everybody who doesn't who works there leaves at night and nobody lives there except for people on the resort and the whole island had been like uh poisoned with nor neurovirus norwalk virus which is like what plagues cruise ships and shuts down cruise ships all over the world but they so we had we had gotten a smoking deal it was like way too good of a deal and we're like yeah whatever it's cuba like it's gonna be bad food we had been once before and it was a pretty good experience and we got there and we realized like we arrived new year's eve we partied and the next day like when we started talking to people like everybody was sick and then i got sick and then sarah got sick and then we got extremely, extremely sick because nobody there wanted to care for us. They would rather like be like, nah, they're just people on vacation. We don't need to care for them. And so like I lost 15 pounds and I don't weigh much. Sarah lost 10 pounds. Holy crap, man. Like, we, we didn't eat for a week. And then the worst part was um, the one day we were feeling a little bit better. Like we couldn't eat at all. I would just shit and puke the entire time. And like they were literally denying that we were even sick i tried to pay to get out of the country they're like we don't have any flights going back to canada unless you want to pay 1900 dollars and have a layover in winnipeg for 24 hours and uh it, and i didn't have four thousand oh, dollars because you back can't home. even fly to the states because exactly. if you could fly to miami you could get a flight back here for a couple hundred dollars i would have been out i would have been out of there um sarah we would have been in miami doing anything but being in cuba like we were literally dying uh oh i thought i was gonna die sarah thought she's gonna it was it was a really intense moment and the one day we were feeling a little bit better we were drinking in the pool and our buddy got drunk and he was sick too so none of us have like a lot of stamina in our bodies and we're drinking and uh 
he was convinced to jump into the pool and dove into the pool, the shallow end of the pool and hit the bottom, this huge dude. And nobody's looking but me and then Sarah right after. And I had to hop in and pick this dude up off the bottom of the pool. And like, he's paralyzed for life. Now he's a quadriplegic and he had to, he ended up staying in Cuban hospitals for like, um, like he was there for almost a month and then had to get like uh heli jetted out and back and it was like an intense experience but the whole experience showed me like just how shitty it was just a random guy uh my homie i had met him there on new year's eve when we arrived he was a great guy he was like the guy i ended up chilling with him every day him and his uh him and his girl and they were great people we made great friends and then uh yeah the one day we were all feeling better so he broke his neck yeah he exploded his c5 vertebrae luckily he was such a big dude and he was so drunk that he hit it at the bottom and went limp and it fucking and uh, that's actually what saved his life because a lot of people die from that um, that break if uh, something shoots into another vertebrae. Man, yeah. sorry to like, interrupt your story, but that's hard to like. You just talked about like seeing people die in a collapsing building, and now this this gentleman is unfortunately like. Sorry, paralyzed. I'm laying like, too much on you. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, <laughs> man, you've you've seen some stuff. That's like crazy. That's very sad. It is sad, but you know what? I don't think I'm experiencing any it's experiencing any like ptsd about it i'm able yeah 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 like of it's course. not i feel yeah I, I just i feel bad for that uh this gentleman that that's obviously happened to you like oh, holy shit me man. too because he's such a hands like he's still such a handsome dude but you know what's come from it is this amazing group um women and girlfriends of uh, uh wags of size spinal cord injuries yeah and his um his girlfriend uh, great lady and she's so strong through all of it and created this amazing movement where she saw an a, a gap in support for yeah. people who were going through this from the outside like supporting somebody going through this yeah and through it she's built an amazing like uh international community of 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 wives and girlfriends of yeah. spinal cord injury Jesus, man. Yeah, and, like, crazy. I don't, like, mean to say it's, like, sad as if, like, it's sad forever because I know people that are paralyzed live fulfilled, happy lives. And, like, I, you know, something beyond this is I see, you know, over the passing years that there's lots of development in, in fixing people's nervous systems. Oh, dude was in a robo-suit, like, straight up. He was at, I can't remember, the amazing Spinal Cord Recovery Center in Vancouver when I went and visited yeah. him. But, um... Yeah, I saw Instagram videos of him straight up in robo suits and then like trying to stimulate nerves and stuff. Like this is a very real. He's so strong. He was a masonry. He's like six foot six, two hundred forty pound guy. Like the strongest guy I, you could imagine. I I, be, I firmly believe within this guy's lifetime that there's going to be some sort of advancement that will give people the feeling back and the extremities that they've he lost sensation in. Is like his mental fortitude how strong he was physically and mentally yeah like i don't i truly believe 95 percent of people 97 percent of people wouldn't have lived through what happened to him yeah one of the most physically fit dudes when i met him and mentally strong dudes going forward ever inspirational as hell hope i get to chat with him on the podcast yeah no shit man that's so gnarly. Yeah, super gnarly. Anyways, we should have another dab and shift that. We're smoking on some uh, some Kush Bomb. And uh, the Kush Bomb is fantastic. It's grown in-house 
by somebody I don't want to mention on the podcast. And, uh, man, it smells of, like, fresh forest floor, tamarack tip, underripe pineapple rind. Do you, what, okay, tamarack tip? Tamarack tree, yeah, you know the tamarack tree, you're a bird boy. Oh, no, you're from no, the I'm East Coast. No, I'm from Prince Edward Island, man. Oh, go up north, eh? You know, just go up north a little bit, they're in northern Berta, and, uh, you know, rub, rub your hands on some tamarack. Oh my god, it's I've like lost that accent, thank god. Sorry to my, all my East Coast fam out there, but yeah, the, the the accent's a little crazy. I wrote a song last night called That's the Way She Goes, Hey <laughs> Bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man. That's the way she goes, Hey Bud, Hey Bud, Hey Bud. You know? <laughs> I saw your mom at the grocery store. <laughs> she was with your sister, man. <laughs> I'd like to do her. Oh That's the way God. she goes. Just the way she goes. Because you're a stallion, bud. Because you're a stallion. Oh, we A-bud. need to go write some music in your basement. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> when you're on your last smoke. When you ran out of dad jokes. When you're just an average bloke. That's the way it goes. Oh my God. A bud, a bud, a bud. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't think I'd be like singing some nonsense on a podcast. This is so funny, dude. Like, so funny. Hey, Beers with Buds is great. You know, it's just such an awesome open conversation where I get to talk to some of my favorite people, start new relationships, ask questions that I usually wouldn't ask in conversation and like, just like look you in the eyes and be like, yeah. This is, but you know, this is just like, it's just like if we were hanging normally, this is the same, uh, yeah. I was like talking about like everything possible. I love it. I love it. I love the DMT stories. I love the beer. I, you know, I, I love, I love people like you and me that are like adventurous, man. That like, honestly, we get into some trouble, see some shit, like experience some things. Like some people, you know, I've been working with a lot of like, I'm going to call them normies, for the last like 15 years and some people are have lived like really boring pathetic lives and it's very like uninteresting and it, it's almost weird to me oh i've never left calgary i'm 60 freaking uh, square w- w- why <laughs> and and it's you know it, it, like yeah there's a little bit of me judging you when somebody says that to me but also a big part of me is like man that is like super sad like yeah i, I wish- want you to go like experience some stuff like eat a mango oh you're 70 you've never had a mango like holy shit if you've never experienced an dude, overripe mango, dude, so so I get I at work I get mangoes flying in from Australia, Israel, whatever, and these are premium bad boys. They're like bad six boys. to nine dollars a mango, and they have like no fiber. You can press the the cut up mango into the roof of your mouth, and it turns into nectar. Like these things are yeah. nuts. And there's this really nice lady at work. She's just about to retire, sixty five. And I was like, do you want to try a sample of these new R2E2 mangoes we got from Australia? And she's like, my dear, I've never had a mango before. I was like, what? Like, dude, you've never had one? Like, this is your day. And she took it, like, this thing, like, when you cut it to the pit, there's still about an inch and a half of flesh. So they are, like, slices, dude. And she took a bite of it, and, like, the way her eyes lit up, she's like, oh, my God, this is, like, incredible. It was like... Ah, why was, have you was, never had this? It was like <laughs> I wish she could have watched Forrest Gump for her first time at the same at like at that same moment. Dude, it's 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 crazy, man. Like it's not only that some people get caught in their ways. You know, my mom um has never uh to my knowledge really left Prince Edward Island. Which and like, vibrates. 
as beautiful as the island is, it's like, why have you not gone beyond that? There's so much. Like, I would love to see all of the countries. Yeah, no, that's totally interesting. But I guess it's just like the plate. My my mom left. Uh, she grew up in a small town too. And <coughs> first time she left the country was when she met my dad. And they went to Hawaii. And that's uh, that to me is so interesting because I got to grow up in a life where I, w- I had the opportunity to go on some family vacations, um, you know, in in my years and got to go to Disneyland and stuff. And then as an adult, I started traveling a lot, which is really cool. But I couldn't imagine being like 23, 24 years old, getting on a plane for my first time. And there's a lot of people who, yeah, have never been on a plane. I just saw a great story. It might've even been you that shared it. And it was like, everything I learned in my life was from gangbangers. And this guy had uh, oh God, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, okay. He and this guy had started like a like a foundation. It was called Homeboy, and he like employed uh, homies and like ex gang members. And so this one dude who's like yatted out, top to bottom, like hard ass dude, not afraid of anything. He's like, yeah, man, come for a speaking engagement with me because I really like y- your story. And they go to get on a plane, and this dude starts freaking out. He's like, yo, man, I've never been on a plane before. I'm absolutely terrified. And he's like, what do you mean? You've been shot. And you've never been, like, and you're scared of getting on a plane because you've never been on it. Dude, I guess, yeah. I have, uh, I've wanted to, like, travel and see shit since I was young. Like, I hitchhiked to Montreal when I turned 18 because the drinking age was 19 in PEI. And, like, hitchhike with my friend, and we had, like, a one-person tent that we slept in on the side of the road and shit. Like, because I wanted to see some shit. Man, and, like, I remember, like, this is going to sound super weird, but if I had a preferred way to die, like, one the one now is actually just to to inhale nitrogen um, in a bag if I were to ever, like, feel like I needed to, like, is just... He's just going to have a bong hoot quick before he tells you how he wants to die. Don't worry. Oh, it said, it's a dab. Yeah, you're good. It's done. I'm going to wipe it out now. Okay, you want to inhale a bag of nitrogen. Um, yeah, like, I remember being on a plane for the first time when I was, like, 15 with my grandfather. And, like, it was exhilarating. Almost like a roller coaster when it took off. And I thought, that you know, I remember watching Mayday on the plane. Like, it was on. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, like, one of the options. Um, this, this was not my first time. This was, like, another time I was flying. And I was, like, weird. And, like, you know, seeing people, like, die in plane crashes or, like, planes going down or whatever and thinking that that would actually be an exhilarating way to die. Because the impact would knock you out instantly. But on the way down, if you could just, like, accept that you were going to die, it would be, like... Like, what a roller like, coaster look, dude, ride. I'm watching it on Mayday. I'm like in it. I'm like, oh my God, look. Like it's going down. The things are popping out. Things are flying. And like there's like so much energy flying around. Yeah, it's sad. Everybody's going to die. But I was like, you know, if you're already in that position and it, like it's going to happen and just accepting it and like going with it, you're like, yeah, like, like fucking going into the ground at like fucking a thousand miles an hour. Just like, I think a lot of people with the, if you've experienced psychedelics on the level that we talked about. Yeah, you I have feel, a better understanding of that feeling. I like, feel like death is like one of the safest things. It's like being born and being born is a paradox. It's like waking up after having never gone to sleep and death is the opposite end of that. Me- yeah, memento mori. Remember, yeah, you will die. It, it, it is, and I'm, like, again, it's, it's kind of like a morbid thing. I'm not like saying like I wish anybody dies on a pl- And like I'd be looking around thinking like, oh shit, there's like kids and whatever and, and adults and women and children and ah, but like whatever. If you're already in that situation, like you might as well own it and just realize that like what's a 
about to happen is natural and safe. Yeah, it's destiny. <laughs> yeah. Well, check this out. So we, I had a podcast with Chef Alicia Ross, and she brought this crazy alien idea to me. She's like, and I know you'll appreciate this one. She's like, okay, so we're in the 3D right now. We're in the, and we are learning our lessons, thinking about reincarnation. We're in our moment where we're at our level of intelligence. When we die, are we reincarnated into the fourth dimension where then our technology levels up and everything levels up and at, if you earn your right and you've gone through life and collected enough knowledge, do you then get to be reincarnated into a next more advanced Dude, civilization? Yeah. And, and like, I've, I've, I've like heard some theories and like this, I don't know if I'm going to quote this like, right, but like we're in 3d, but we still pe perceive like 2d. And like, you know, when you see like circles made, it's really just pixels and like squares on different ratios and the ratio is pi, but we still don't understand pi. It's forever ending. And it doesn't make sense because we don't understand infinity, mm -hmm. negative or positive. And all of those instructions, like, I don't know, man, I feel like it's just like the reason why, like, unless you, you get to either be God or you're not, you're one or the other, right? Is everybody their own god? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every it all can exist at the same time, point space. Like there's no such thing as time. It's but like, faith is a good thing to have. I think I think faith is a good thing to have. And the thing is like I personally believe that I'm god, I'm a creator. So you I have create faith it. in yourself. But like if somebody you were to be Christian and believed in like whatever god and like we're like everything made sense and it was sane like you didn't think like gay people caused hurricanes or like something weird <laughs> more like i'd be like sick man like good for you like hey we still can like like music drink beer you know uh, hopefully smoke pot or whatever right like yeah and uh, like it's I good i jump like, in on this i listened to a great cbc thing about this black musician who made it his mission in life to educate kkk members and befriend them sick and that's what it's all about. It's about like, just like accepting that there's more than one truth and being like, yo, so you believe in this Jesus thing and God and like that makes you happy and, and you have good morals. Like you treat people nice and like, you know, give without expectation, like do some like nice shit. Like that's cool. And like, there could be Muslim people that do the same thing. I've worked with lots of Muslim people and they've shown me different parts of their religion that I find very attractive, like Super the fasting yeah. and like, you know, like when uh, I guess like more elderly people can, then they have to give a meal to somebody out of like, the, just like good faith and no expectation of anything in return. I was like, these are like all really good like practices and like Buddhism and other things and then atheism. I don't know, man. I just like, at the end of the day, I think they can all exist in harmony. Religion's only fucked up if you think yours is better than somebody else's. Right. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't think I think if it works for that person, then that's that's exactly what is supposed to be happening right here. Like, for sure. But if their happiness comes from, like, killing other people, then that's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, that's something you know that what should I mean? be bred out and, and, and evolved that out is by now. That is not specific. That, like, the Christians have gone on crusades and killed people. Muslim people have. Buddhist people. Like, everybody is, like... Humans, like, have, like, attacked each other. People like to fight. And the, th the thing with my view of, like, just, like being god and like feeling like you have the power of choice to like make better decisions and like i don't know man like there's like a natural way are of we like in that thinking era? right and wrong dude like are we in an era of like enlightenment right now i know there like we i talked about donald trump earlier but that jackass is really making people wake up to like actually thinking about the repercussion of their decisions and their actions i think i feel like people want to be more in touch with everything that you're talking about 
I um, think it would help, man. I think like all like, you know, like let's take somebody that's polar opposite for me, like a family in the States, all the kids have guns. They learn that, you know, the government's against them and we should like, you know, it, I'll take mine. And, you know, that's like a crazy conservative, whatever. Like, not, I don't say crazy. It's some, it's some people that exist in, like, in society. And that's like way opposite than me. But at the heart of the thing, they all want the same thing. Like clean water, a warm place to lay their heads, like food, safety, security, like the freedom to practice their own whatever. Don't, don't build and, a wall, get and, clean and, water and, like, for Flint. I'm they, sorry. They all want the same shit as us. We just have like different forms of like getting it. And like, I think like separating them further isn't like making everybody work together because if the further you separate means that one has to die over the other and that's what creates these conflicts in people so the more divisive it is like fucking donald trump man he's not bringing people together like everybody yeah. wants the same fucking shit except I think for he, like i i i, I think he kind of is bringing people together in a oh, in the wrong way like not fuck. intentionally like he's making people like really be like holy fuck we unanimously hate this asshole well are humans smart enough or will we or will there be like such a divide that it gives birth to something like some sort of like crazy situation uh, i don't know man i hope fucking not like honestly i hope it's like almost over donald trump goes to jail and like somebody like bernie sanders can like bring the like there was lots of conservatives and Republicans switch their like thought because of Bernie Sanders. Like he's objective. He's like 50 years serving without a single fucking anything like showing that he's like corrupt. I donated to the Bernie Sanders campaign. I think he's a fucking hero, dude. I love the guy. I, love <laughs> like, I wrote a song that I sample Bernie Sanders the whole way through. And it's like, it, it, it's a speech. Uh, I, I just think about it as the why not speech. Uh, and it's like, why, why, why can't we give free education and healthcare? Like, dude, why not? Dude, why, why not? not? Why did the, why do the Waltons have like a, like $200 billion of wealth? Like five people. Like, why does that, that doesn't make well, any sense. That, why does uh, Jeff Bezos have $150 billion of wealth? Did you see the, uh, there's a big, there's a big cry now. Like Elizabeth Warren and Alicia, Alicia Cortez, that new chick yes. from New York. Yeah. They're saying like. Uh, there's bills tabled now to like heavily tax. Yeah, seventy percent. You know, the years of Eisenhower, he served two terms, and the average tax on people earning two hundred thousand and over was ninety one percent, and that got the the country in a good position after World War Two, and it wasn't off the backs of the working Americans, and he was a Republican. Like, why not do that now? The Damn, I didn't know that. The Republicans have convinced people that make less, that, that they would, like, it's like $10 million. They would have to work, like, 200 years, the average income, 50000 or, like, whatever those statistics are. It's, like, crazy to even qualify for that tax bracket, and they've convinced everybody that they need it. It's mm -hmm. fucking absolutely insane. No, they, the wealth should be shared. And yeah, the, just and for them, too, and for the Republicans. That's, like, the uh, the democratic idea is, like, share it for everybody. And they keep thinking, like, that's why we have democracy. Our... That's why we have democracy. Dude, just split the wealth up. It's fucking nuts. Why should... And with inflation... So, like, I was reading that the Forbes billionaire list, when it was first published in 82 there was like 45 people on it and the richest guy was like 3.8 billion and now the richest guy is 50 billion or 60 Dude, billion and, and here's the thing because because there's such a drastic difference right now when you try to entertain 
these like closed minds with the what we think would be good you know having a good life right they they think well not everybody can be a millionaire and these people predict they picture in their mind like a big house and a ferrari and like no no no, no. like just a basic life where like people had like a warm house the two parents you know had the ability to both work or maybe one didn't work and there was enough income to have like a car four weeks off a year uh free dental education hope for their children to get education enough time to like not work so they could love and like you know uh, cater to their kids like that isn't like a far out idea dude no, like some ridiculous. people have jeff bezos is making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a fucking minute or something like dude like there's so much to go around. It doesn't have to be like everybody has to have six Ferraris. Like that's fucking stupid. Nobody wants that. Like people that do want that, like there would still be that opportunity in society for people to get that big. Right. And in fact, there would be more because there wouldn't be one person with one million Ferraris. That's like the difference or a billion Ferraris. Like it's fucking nuts. Why are so many people literally sinking in university debt? Yeah, when you dude. have billions of dollars. Like if you can and, prove, and I don't think everybody should get it for free, but if you can prove that you're willing to work hard and you'll follow through, you should be able to but, do whatever but, you want. You know, these people come up with new ideas to create more efficient energy and they're throttled by the oil companies and everything. The smart people's ideas are still throttled through society. It's like maybe if we educated more people, the, the masses would actually be like, no, this isn't right. Like free energy for everybody is a good thing. Yeah, why is why solar, do we pay so much for energy? Why are yeah why why do we pay so much for energy? Why, why so so big companies can fucking gain off of it? Shouldn't that be a nationalized program where everybody gains equally off energy? What about cell phones? This is one that blows my mind. Like the internet <laughs> yeah, and- itself, we pay more per gig in Canada than anywhere in the entire world for cell phone <coughs> coverage. Uh, yet uh, the World Health Organization and a few and a few other people have made the internet. A basic necessity now because that's our access yeah. point to information beside water and food the internet is a basic necessity so why then is our canadians taxed so much as other places in the <laughs> yeah. world internet literally becomes free i see i why aren't we building a network for ourselves like as like public owners of like a network for canadians right like, we all need it like is there like is there a group is there like five like how many companies are in canada is there five major providers i like, guess we have do Telus, they need it more Shaw, do they bell should, should they own should they be getting 36 million dollar no, salaries it's a like, monopoly no, it's it's not. Why don't the people own the internet? Why don't people own the internet? Everybody would be better for it. So if you anybody would vote against that, they'd have to have some real like serious issue in their head because it doesn't make any sense. Like, well, I'm actually kind of speechless and mind blown. Why don't the people own the internet? The fact that the internet's now for sale and that it's controlled and monopolized by well, like water X is like companies? extracted. Like Nestle, why can they take water for so cheap? Why why are we buying that water anyways? Right, like, Coca Cola destroys places and takes all their fresh water to create dude, syrupy crap. Like, why are we doing stuff like that? It doesn't make any sense, man. Because we're because because the guy that asks for it and the guy that takes it is the guy that wins. And if you're not willing to take it, then you're not willing to play in the game. If you don't want to catch the ball, don't go out on the field. Yeah. And uh, dude, I, uh, sports analogies. Check this out. Uh, the other day, so so we uh, wrap some of our produce in styrofoam, which is like not a, a good thing. Like it's objectively bad. Um, but as a story, like taking a lot of measures to like 
change our impact. So we got LED lighting. Um, we're not using plastic uh, in the meat and deli. We're going to wrap it in traditional paper that's compostable. We're getting organic biodegradable produce bags too that we're going to charge five cents per customer just to carry that cost. But they're usable in your home compost. So it everywhere makes sense, else right? charges for bags. It's so it's good. fine, but it's a good bag, right? Feel like, and you know what there, I think they were 12 cents in a box of the Glade ones. So it's actually cheaper anyways. Like it's a good thing. And so this one girl is like uh, upset about these styrofoam and as she should be. And we've been trying to find a solution. And I, I've been on an Alibaba uh, and trying to find like, you know, cornstarch or like something that would like hold up to produce. And they're, they're readily available for a very good price, but the quantities make them unavailable to us, right? Like $30,000 order. Like, you know, we wouldn't yeah. use that amount in, in years. So you need like bigger distributions, like our wholesale or like Loblaws. Ask for sample to, size. to Or like, you know, bigger companies <clears throat> to lead the way in this, not the little guy. Like that doesn't make sense. We've tried to get them locally and we found one that they had compostable plant plastic, but it was uh, the 100, to, trick, 100, sample size. 100 to 150 days and the Calgary dump doesn't take it because it doesn't biodegrade quick enough so if you put it in your compost it gets rejected if you put it in recycling it gets rejected and it's a plant-based biodegradable product and it still goes in the landfill so there's like a lot of like logistical shit around this right and like really if the the government stepped in and said okay so there's like one year left and you have to all be on biodegradable plastic or something that's recyclable like there would become a market for it right and a distributor would step in and start buying wholesale from china and pumping it into mm -hmm. calgary to feed the businesses here it would make sense and that is a really good business to probably get into there's another one yeah if anybody's listening and wants to get into selling plant plastic that the calgary dump will take probably a good endeavor um anyway I, I bet that's like every dumping so Canada. getting back to the main point of this she didn't like any of this these ideas and we we're like we're really just struggling like do you have a suggestion yourself no and they're like well what we're doing is coming up with a program where we collaborate with our customers and you bring in your own recyclable or reusable containers and we'll tear it in the back and then fill it with the produce you want so like cut up broccoli or pineapple or like whatever you want yep. like we'll package it you just have to wait and if you want you can call ahead and we'll have it prepared for you and then we'll weigh it okay so we'll give you the prices and she's like that's too much hassle i'm shopping at superstore then like what what a like, bag but like that doesn't make any sense like People you complain, complain about everything and it's like you know, like, why would you not do that effort? Like, we're literally trying. We talk about it every week. And, like, you know, you don't want to put in a minimal effort um, into, like, working with us. People are lazy. You know, and I all I could think, you know, working for Superstore is, like, one, one meat department in the city would do about an average of a quarter million dollars a week. I'm sure at least 50 grand of that meat is sold in styrofoam. Yeah. Like, like, dude, you're complaining. Like, you know, we're small sales, local like small tiny thing like you know the styrofoam it sucks but it's not a huge quantity and one superstore meat department would be probably selling more than we use in a year in one store and i think there's like you know 10 stores at least so like that doesn't make sense so you're gonna go support them they have the money to make the change and lead the way and you're gonna come and like complain about us and when we ask to just collaborate while we find a solution you like say it's too much hassle like people like that are like kind of voting against their own interests they're dead weight but like how yeah. do you get uh <clears throat> that's mind-blowing actually that i'm thinking about that now like the f amount of styrofoam that's used in traditional grocery <laughs> i know save on foods has switched to like these plastic recyclable ones yeah which is cool yeah uh i like getting it in those because i feel like it's <clears throat> actually more fresh 
I've liked yeah, that it's vacuum the foam sealed. Yeah, is like, uh, like it's almost like um, foam's ghetto. It's it's ghetto, but it like holds like the moisture on the sides. It gets like kind of like yeah, I don't know. And like you have to put shower. that. And you got to put that one like the 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 sheet underneath yeah. that, that that sits between the styrofoam they actually use that on me after i get tattooed like the same it's like the same bandage and when i realized that i was like oh this is fucking gross <laughs> that's super weird right but i guess there's a lot of products yeah. that can be used in any in industry which is hilarious about i think cannabis. the industry is changing it's just like it's you know it sucks like really it just sucks as like a small producer that you can't find something readily available and it's like there is but then the calgary dump doesn't take it and i mean well let's talk I, about I just, cannabis legalization in yeah. parallel right now yeah how do you feel about it will i grab you some things to look at and you can see the packaging how do i feel about the legalization yeah how do you feel about legalization i have like i have like a few different thoughts about it actually i think i think overall it's it's a positive move uh, here in the United States, like globally. I, I'm really happy that people are becoming more aware of like its benefits and like more aware of like there was really just a big smoke screen for some time over, you know, the positives. These um, ones you can open. These ones you can't open because they're still up for review. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, I think the logistics and like how the black market is cheaper is interesting. Um, I, I feel like there could be like some sort of like alternative craft market come up as like the black market. It shifts into that. I, I, I don't know. Like I haven't bought any cannabis legally except for when I've left the city. So I get it all still from the black market because I can't afford to buy it legally. Yeah. Cause this one's like 15 bucks a gram. This one's eight. Uh, is this yeah. Open. Yeah. And then if you want to smell these or look at these, like, you know, the, some some of the amounts of packaging is what blows me away, but um. yeah, the packaging I got for a gram in Medicine Hat was like super bulky, um, and I thought it was like kind of tacky, like how big it was, uh, if, like to get like such a one like one gram, and then the nug was like uh, dry, like you could I broke it up with my fingers into powder. Um, it was very potent, which was nice. But like the the texture was was not good, and it smoked very harsh because it was so dry. Yeah, it's interesting smoking the legal cannabis. A lot of it was uh, burns pretty black. Yeah, which indicatively, as a longtime cannabis consumer, means that it was uh, not of the best quality. Yeah, but it is nice to think that you can go and buy cannabis okay, so in small town Alberta. Yeah, so without knowing that guy. was convenient. That was cool. I was down with that. Um, and I think it's really good for people that wouldn't have a network to get it from the black market. Um, although it's become as, as simple as like literally typing it up on Google, Google and finding it and somebody will deliver it to your house. Pro like tip. It's, it's literally that easy um, and it's super cheap and the service is really great. Uh, but... Like, yeah, other than that, if you couldn't figure that out, I think it's great for certain people. And I, I hope and I, I hope more people use it, you know, and maybe choose to 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 use that even over alcohol. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's more people with problems with alcohol than I've ever seen with marijuana. I, I To be honest, I don't think I've ever experienced somebody in my life that had an issue with with marijuana where it was like negatively affecting them in some sort of way beyond like people that get paranoid and choose to just not use it anymore. 
Well, I guess is there's a I guess there's the drug dealer aspect. That's a that's the biggest negative impact of cannabis is when you decide to create a business out of it, and yeah. the people that are affected that way. Um, and there are people that abuse it too. And there's a reason that there's negative stereotypes. Yeah. But those people aren't dying. Like I've watched, well, I've watched. Uh, what's that rehab show on A uh, and E or whatever or TLC? Yeah. What's it called? Oh, I'm dying here. Uh, intervention. I yeah, like I guess you're right. They're not dying. They're like you know, you could be lazy and very like complacent, but I feel like that person that is living that in marijuana would live it beyond that. But people are hella lazy, regardless. Like how many? That, that's lazy what I mean. Lee. I think there's there. like. That complacent person would be equally as complacent not using marijuana. And because yeah. marijuana isn't harming him, then, like, what's really the point of monitoring if it? The, People it, that drink a lot of Coca-Cola, it's objectively harming them. Yeah, if, it, if they were a hoarder and they smoked cigarettes, would you blame their hoarding on their cigarettes? But yeah, if they yeah. smoke cannabis, would you blame the hoarding on them like, yeah, smoking like, cannabis? Yeah, I feel like, like it's just kind of, like, part of it. Um and yeah, like, I mean, that sucks, but I, I don't think if you remove the cannabis from that situation, you'd remove like the, uh, the person, the, the person or you the, can't. the output of that. But like, if somebody's like, uh, abusing fentanyl, um, and you were able to safely remove the fentanyl so the person could recover the withdrawal, uh, like it would have a profound effect if they weren't able to get it again and could heal through that. Yeah. Cannabis withdrawal you know? is like, uh, food doesn't taste as good. And I stay up a little bit later. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I don't smoke as much. Um, I do smoke on the daily. Every now and then I'll go a couple days without actually uh, ingesting it. And I do notice that I get I can get more irritable or whatever. And the, the honestly, really, the only reason why I don't is because sometimes I just run out of money. I have a budget. Yeah, um, but... I'm like a starving artist. So like right now I run out of money. And if I had more, I would smoke it. But it's not like, you know, I remember using cocaine on the daily. Like running out of cocaine was fucking nuts, man. Like, <laughs> like, dude, that sucks. Like, like, <laughs> fuck. Like, you're like, oh my god. Like, well, okay, I'm gonna like go see this guy. Like, go get it, and you like take a line. You're like, oh fuck. Like, finally, like, sweet. Like, I'm okay. This is gonna be fine. But like, I've never had that feeling with cannabis. But like, if I go a couple days without smoking and I get it, I like very much enjoy it. Like, I would a a good meal. You know, if you're uh, traveling and you're eating fast Mm -hmm. food for a couple days and you get home and you're like, man, like I got some fresh ingredients. Like, I'm gonna make some really fucking good food. And and you enjoy that. I feel like the same way about cannabis. And like having good food, like has a good value in your body. And and I feel like having good cannabis has like value. Totally fire in, fire out. Yeah. That's the model <laughs> yeah, of yeah, cannabis, yeah. no matter what you're doing. And and you know what? Like, um, I did smoke cannabis, like the flower, heavily for two years, and it, it did harm my lungs. Mm-hmm. I started coughing. I felt like I had the same cough that I had when I was smoking. So I started uh, vaporizing it, uh, and it's been about seven, eight months now, and I find I'm not coughing, and I, like... I feel like it's like a cleaner sort of way to ingest it. Totally. And, and, and that's a thing to be real with. Like you like people smoking like joints on the daily, like that is like smoking cigarettes. I saw a great meme. It was like, doctor, do you smoke? It's like, yeah. And then the doctor's like cigarettes. And the guy's face is like, what? No, who smokes cigarettes anymore? We all smoke weed though. (laughs) But it's like, it's not good for you. If you do it on the daily, dude, it's definitely harsher. And like, burning any sort of thing and, and inhaling it is like not good so. it's hot smoke yeah like, like vaporizing dude like that's the money essential oils is what i'm all about you guys know 
dabs yeah dude it's like it's sort of been like a uh uh like a changing point in my life actually going from smoking flour for since i was 13 so like 15 16 like 18 years man of smoking flour to like switching to dabbing it's been very nice i remember um my introduction to dabbing i remember the first time i tried it i had gone i met these dudes at coachella that lived so i got out of a cab and this guy's like hey man do you have a grinder and i was like yo you don't sound like you're from here are you from canada and he's like yeah and i was like yeah i got a grinder for sure i just bought one nobody here has one and we smoked blunts all night he had uh he had this weed called it was darth vader og and i got skywalker og yeah and we rolled it together and it was called the force <laughs> anyways we smoked blunts made a great friendship yeah. and uh i went to vancouver like three months after that and this is when oil was becoming popular this is like 2012 and all these like super limited drops were happening and he was like we were on on instagram or whatever and i think it was sunrise or thc in vancouver and they're like yeah we got half grams of this super rumple still skin lemon haze mega stomper butter or something it was like so many names we got this half gram and it was just uh it changed my life. I bought a rig that day, like the V1 highly educated titanium nail that looks hilarious. And we, st- we, we dabbed it out and like my life was forever changed. So then the next year I'm on my way to Coachella and I run into these dudes in a, uh, in a casino in Las Vegas, my homies that I had met through cannabis in Calgary. And they're like, yo, I was looking for cannabis. They're like, yo, we, we got a bunch of cannabis. Like let's smoke yo. And I was like, okay, this is a great time in Vegas. Anyways, they're like, you, you, do you know this dude uh, who's making Shatter? And I'm like, no, I've never seen this dude before. And so uh, they're like, look at what he's making. And it was uh, and it was incredible. Like the stuff he was making, it opened my eyes to like this crazy, crazy world of amazing high-end cannabis. And since 2013, I, I like only smoke flour on occasion. It's just all dabs or nothing that cannabis had a weird storage issue some weird smells to it when i first opened it dude this packaging is fucking whack i know you looked at the false bottom didn't you that's like non-recyclable plastic man no way or well because it's interesting because it has narcotic in it or like a former narcotic dude like some some fucking plants some plant matter in here and it's one gram in that huge package the size of your adult man fist you could fit like you could fit four and a half grams there yeah like no problem yeah well wait till you see this one (laughs) this is very cigarette like that one wasn't bad i actually kind of like this packaging okay cool and i gave that one that is not what i expected i like expected like like cigarettes or something wouldn't that have been nice I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That one actually smells pretty good. Mm. Yeah. And you know what was hard? So I gave that one a really good rating. Don't say what it is. Because I haven't put it out on the okay. channel yeah, yet. Yeah, no worries. Um, but I'm kind of, you know, like I'm authentic about it. But I feel like I might have overrated it when I first talked about it. But it doesn't, like you're not turning your nose about it. You're sticking it back in. No, and- it was really good. The 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 initial smell was like excellent that I was g- really interesting i liked it i was like i gave it uh and the pop take, sound take and- the buds out and tell me what you think because i uh 
So I gave this bud 86 points. But I'm kind of worried that I overgraded it. But at the same time, I'm looking at your reaction. You're a, can- a daily cannabis consumer. And it's... Yeah. And like, I don't know why I'm second guessing my review because the nose knows. I know what I'm doing. I looked at the cannabis. I graded yeah. the cannabis. Is that 86 point cannabis? That's an eight, 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I'd be happy if I got this. I wish there was more of it in here. We're going to smoke it right after. I wish that was filled to the top. That would be I know because the yeah. package is still pretty big. Like it's like, And this is like the option, right? Like it doesn't come with more. There could easily be three times that amount in there. Yeah, that should be the eighth, the same size for an eighth. But then you look at this. Don't open this one. But that is an eighth. So you, so you have a one gram and an eighth. And I assumably, this is an eighth? yeah, and assumably Dude, those were packaged. Fit an ounce in here. Yeah, assumably those were packaged by the same people. Don't open that one. No, though. Yeah, okay. And uh, but like this packaging looks like it was sold by the same people, right? Yeah. Um, that's huge. That is like. Dude, yeah. This like I would expect an ounce. Or at least a half ounce. That looks like a half ounce container to me. I would like to open that and have a nice glass is not allowed. Yeah. But I would think I would open that and have a nice a half nice ounce half glass ounce. Yeah. thing. Like it looks so classy in the box. If it's yeah, like the branding is really cool on this. Well, yeah. you know what's interesting though? The size awesome. of the box because you're not allowed to have your logo bigger than the THC symbol. Yeah. Maybe the size of the box has something to do with shelf presence. For sure. Yeah, I guess... But I, people like, don't get to see this until it comes out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so this is the other one. <laughs> she just starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it stinks. Dude, I could even... I, I like couldn't get a good spell because I'm still laughing at how such a tiny amount is in here. Yeah, because it's a huge jar. Yeah, I think that one fits six grams probably. I bet but you. But this could, is like the the amount. That's one gram. Yeah. Dude, it's so underwhelming. I know you open it and it's like the smallest dick you've ever seen. It's like watching porn with a tiny wiener. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Man. Nobody wants to do that. It does smell nice. I don't think that one smelled... I don't know. I don't want to suggestively tell you, but I, I didn't rate that one good. I thought it smelled like like kind of like dry hay. And <laughs> I, said it, I said it smelled like the Michael's Flower store. Like, you know, like it smells it's, like dusty fake plants. It's very dry. Maybe I'll send you home with some weed. Cannabis. So I've been thinking about... Did, you, what store did you get this? Have you been to one of the Calgary Co-op ones? Yeah, I went to Calgary Co-op once. Twice, I think, maybe actually now. Sight. So when you get weed, you buy this. You go like, how much is this? That one was probably like eleven or twelve bucks. I know your deep swallow says it all because you were talking about all the free cannabis I get, and then it's like, yeah, to review legal cannabis or like fully legal cannabis, I'm spending a lot of money out of the pocket for crap. (laughs) That's like that's like hard to like comprehend that man like and 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 what are the other ones these other are they all 11 bucks no that blue one's 15 and i think this one was 13 Crazy, uh man. but these eighths over here that I, that you're looking at uh like they were expensive one of them was like 50 bucks for the eighth <laughs> what the fuck i think is the one in the huge box well let me look i got the i should have the receipt nice bags Oh yeah, uh, so it was eighty four dollars for both the receipts or for 
for two eighths. Uh, Crazy. And they didn't give me a detailed receipt, which actually kind of upsets me, because then I can't review it on Lyft. How much was it? Eighty. Eighty-four dollars for seven grams. And on the black market, that's an easy forty fifty. It's fifty bucks. Like if you yeah, 50, I'd say fifty dollars. But to pay thirty-four dollars more, and this was like, these two are supposed to be like topper shelf. Okay. Um, so for eighty-four bucks, it's whatever. Like you go to California or Illinois or any of these places. Yeah. And you want to buy an eighth of top shelf cannabis. But that cannabis is better quality than this. Um, you're paying that kind of like $60 an eighth, which is $80 yeah. Canadian for an eighth. You know what? I recall going to the, the I think it's called, is it called Canna Clinic or whatever in Nelson for over the last like three years. And that place was good. They had like fresh buds like in big jars and you could buy it to wait. it's an illegal dispensary. Yeah. Well, those, it those was, were the days. It was, uh, I guess, does it exist anymore? Do you know? I was reading about one in Kitsilano in Vancouver. So there's like, there was a Kamloops store. There's a Port, Point State something store that were the first uh, BC licensed cannabis stores. But then I guess on January 5th, Vancouver dispensaries that were already operating were started being granted licenses. But I was confused by the pictures in the story if they were only selling, like, legal cannabis or if they were still supporting the growers that had been supporting them uh, through their operations since 2015. So, I'm, again, I'm still very confused. I know that everybody has been sent to cease and desist in Vancouver that's operating illegal dispensaries, which is somewhere selling cannabis that isn't uh, tagged and regulated by the government so crazy man that's kind of like a sad thing dude i really enjoyed that dispensary the customer service was good the prices were fair they had like sodas and edibles and just lots give it, of different bud. give it 10 years and those people can pay taxes and be like normal members of society because that's the hard part right they were probably evading tax and like they're selling drugs to people um now that we have a regulated system not that it's perfect but as the kinks get worked out, they can be viable business owners. And if they weren't the right people to run that business, then other people who are the right people to run that business will take their place that are going to do it better. Like there's a lot of shitty liquor stores. and There's a lot of great liquor stores. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I like, I just, I hope someday it's a little more inclusive like no just better than like what you have here you know what i mean like this is kind of the option from a cannabis store right yeah right now what you're looking at like this one two three four five six seven products it's a pretty good gamut of what's at the cannabis store like it would be cool like you know pre-rolled things like there are you know fun things like other like like sodas like like you know craft stuff like oh it's made in nelson here or something and you know it's like a dollar deposit and they reuse their bottles like stuff like that by october 17th is the latest that they have to legalize edibles and extracts. The latest. So if they don't, then what? Because it's written into the Cannabis Act that they have one year to, to put that stuff into play. So that's why there's already the, the proposed regulations out for edibles and extracts that you can comment oh, cool. on in Health Canada. So you should go do that and tell them that they should sell more than 10 milligrams in a single package because that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nuts. But again, I think there's ways around it. 
but what they're proposing seems ludicrous. But again, if I'm now I'm imagining like a Werther's type thing. If you buy a bag of Werther's, those are all individually packaged. As long as you had the the THC symbol and all the stuff on each single one of those yeah, packages, so. you could put it inside of another bag up to a thousand milligrams. But um yeah, I don't know. I mean that's not so bad. If you could if you could have like single like you know, you picture now you get a bag of candies, there's like ten in there and there's like maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred milligrams, yeah. whatever. But like I, I mean if they were all individually wrapped and like I the idea is to keep like people safe, like that's not really the I'm I'm cool with that. Cause like taking edibles, especially for your first time, first few times or children or something, can be like a pretty shitty experience. Well ten milligrams is useless though. Right, and to sell like one packaged good as ten milligrams, and be like, like imagine you had to take home, uh, I don't know, like a hot sauce or I think a mixed nuts or a cola or anything, and it only had ten milligrams in it. Like yeah, that I'd want at least like forty, fifty. Yeah, and if you're gonna have a ten milligram item, shouldn't it be like ten, ten milligram? Uh, oh yeah, I'm like not even thinking about like you know a cookie or something else that maybe yeah that's eating way co- too much food to yeah. get your dose yeah yeah so but you're allowed to have a thousand milligrams in a liquid like a liquid extract so you're allowed to sell like a vial of coconut oil with a thousand milligrams in it and just oh, cool. get people to hit droppers but it's not allowed the dropper isn't allowed to draw more than ten milligrams worth of in a dose. Is their proposed regulation, which just seems so asinine. Like, like I like I feel like, you know, you can go out and get like Everclear or something, and that's like a very dangerous alcohol to drink. This was exactly my parallel that I gave. Like, like very dangerous. Yeah, and it sells like crazy around Christmas, because everybody's making their own home liquors and then giving it out to their family. Yeah. Yet, edibles like you know. I got a call, Sarah got a call, and they were, like, telling us they were going to charge us with, threatened charging us with trafficking for an infused dinner, right? And it's, like, the infused dinner between 10 people, officer, has, like, 100 milligrams in it through five courses. Like, you, the irony of you calling and saying that you're going to charge us with trafficking for selling a... Ex- micro dose dinner is just literally unfathomable especially when we think about the fact that you can google buy weed calgary right now choose yeah. any of the first 30 hits send them money and weed's going to show up at your house either by a guy or in the mail in the next yeah like, that's that doesn't day. make any sense man like but you could pour endless cocktails i i can fill my house everybody with- could be passed out with like alcohol poisoning and you're still like whatever well that's against my duty care but we can only buy 30 grams of cannabis but you can spend a million dollars at the liquor store yeah you could literally rent a u-haul truck and get them to keep filling it and filling it and it just like it doesn't make sense you know like i remember an experience i had when i was about 16 like i started drinking young um, I think my mom gave me my first beer at like 12 without any real guidance. So we were drinking like, like quite a bit on the weekends and stuff. And I remember grade nine grad, I drank uh two, six of vodka and like a few revs and I like fucking passed out in like a, a baseball field and my friends got me home. And I was like, I remember struggling to breathe 
at home like and passing yeah because you had alcohol poisoning did alcohol poisoning and like i like was so scared to tell my mom and like you know like people like you can die from that like that's yeah, your like friends a want to get in trouble thing man nobody want to get in trouble for you whatever right and like you know at, like if people were to if somebody kid, kid were to consume like too much cannabis it's not lethal they're gonna fall asleep that's the with doritos all over their chest and and you know like i'm not saying that like the experience of being too drunk is like that was mortifying because i was unconscious conscious unconscious right but i've i've greened out from eating too many edibles like i have like abused what i should have done and went into without any knowledge and just being a dick and, and what happened too much yeah i threw up had a serious panic attack um like I ended up going to the hospital telling my girlfriend I'm like going nuts like crazy man like just like lost it and um it ended up being fine 4 a.m you're laughing in the hospital like whatever right and in in hindsight um I ended up like purging a lot of like emotions that I had like deep inside of me that I wasn't resolving so in the grand grand scheme of things when I've greened out and I've done it multiple times I haven't gone to the hospital but I've done it multiple times since okay and it's always ended up being a good experience and which is weird tell um, me more about like greening out because I don't really understand that concept um, all the way it's usually um I I think and, and here's the thing why it's a good reason is it makes me re- go through some like memories and maybe like thoughts that I, I, uh, put back in my head or something. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like I had a really challenging, uh, upbringing between like bullying and like just, just didn't fit, fit in, in yeah. certain areas of my life and my home life wasn't the greatest. Um, so I probably have like come up with these like deflection techniques or something, right? And sometimes greening out puts those all right to the front. I have like anxiety and then I think about everything I really should be thinking about. And like, or things that like, you know, you build walls in your own like personal choices. Like I'm not going to do that. Like you just default to certain things. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of like a glitch in your programming and it puts it to the front. And it can be quite an experience to confront these these patterns of choices or like thoughts or whatever right it's overwhelming throw up have anxiety shake like oh my god this is me on magic mushrooms the world is ending and 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 then it's it's always okay and over the years the the you know maybe i've greened out like about eight times over the last 15 years and uh every time has become a lot easier to work through the emotions. And the thing is, whether I was greening out or not, I feel like those are emotions are hard to work through. I've been to psychologists trying to like get through these things and I, I haven't been able to, but the weed puts it there um, and really actually makes me get through them. So I guess it's like a positive thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. And it's just, I mean, anything in life is about your outlook on something. And I could like look at this and be like, fuck weed. I'm never using it again or whatever. But like, I choose to take the positives from it. Yeah. It's like uh it's a plant medicine. Mushrooms can be like that. DMT. Yeah. I was going to talk other, about the other psychedelics. It's like yeah. a, you know, a lot of people could relate it to your experience as like a bad trip and you're looking at it like, no, I brought all my emotional walls, brought them crumbling down and I found places that I didn't want to be in kind of like a psychedelic experience that I found comfort in once I confronted them. It did what a psychologist couldn't do. The psychologist couldn't get me to like confront those. One did and it was very powerful and emotional Mm -hmm. and it's the same experience I have with weed. Yeah. It like acts as like a psychologist. It does some like healing for me. I want to tell a story. Uh, I did uh, mushrooms. Man, this was probably like a year and a half ago, two years ago and um I had I haven't taken like two grams of mushrooms in a long time because I feel like mushrooms really react with me a bunch. Crazy. So I did all the right things, like I did all the the the, the 
pre-nomers and i did like a chocolate blend and ground it up and like made like a good a good experience and luckily sarah it was her first time doing mushrooms she did with me i'm sorry if you didn't want me to tell the story anyways um <laughs> i was the one who had pitched the mushrooms and like that we should do them and you know i have my <laughs> own stuff and so these mushrooms start hitting and like my biggest fear is like puking and shitting while i'm on psychedelics and uh i just i just like start feeling so sick and i'm like oh my god here we go and i'm and then it's like a waterfall of psychedelia like i the world is melting around me and luckily sarah's so strong and i'm like so weak in this moment because like they're they're being my teacher and i'm walking around like probably half naked with my hands on my hips being like the mushrooms are trying to teach me a lesson. The mushrooms are trying to teach me a lesson. And I'm basically having like a full on panic attack <laughs> as I'm going through a waterfall of psychedelia and I lay in bed and it literally feels like this. Well, this is my psychedelic illusion. I thought a massive woman sat on me like right on my chest. It felt like a heavy, heavy weight on my chest. So heavy, like I could barely breathe. And it felt like, and I don't know why I describe it as a woman, but I feel like I thought it was a woman. And then it ripped into my stomach and started like pulling out this, these feelings of like panic and insecurity and like stress. And after dealing with like the most gut wrenching, like terrible feeling of not being able to breathe, I ended up in complete euphoria. Oh my God. uh, It really... Like the next few months, you know, I often, one of my long oldest memories is like that, the feeling of, uh, of like butterflies and stress and, uh, bless you. And for probably like six months, I didn't have any of those feelings anymore, but like that experience has scared me since from doing mushrooms because it was like, it could have been perceived as a bad trip, but it was the most healing thing that i've done in like a long time crazy man that's really tight yeah but i'm like scared right now like i would like to have feel that same relief but i'm scared to like be in that moment even though i know i'm completely safe yeah crazy i mean like yeah the experiences can be pretty profound and that was two grams of mushrooms and i know people tell me they eat a quarter ounce all the time and two grams of mushrooms rocked my world yeah you know what man it depends like i've eaten seven grams and like lost my mind i've eaten like two grams and been like very high i've eaten like one stem before and had like a fantastic buzz i ate a gram watched prisoner of azkaban and vomited and it was like i was vomiting up all of my anxiety again (laughs) so weird they you know what they've been making me sick to my stomach uh for the last like year or whatever i actually oh really like, not, not like, I, I don't throw up, but I definitely feel like my stomach is, like, uneasy, which kind of sucks. I, I do like doing acid, but it's just, like, such a long commitment. And yeah. uh, when I take acid, I like to take, like, two, three, four, even, like, five hits over the course of, like, 24 hours and, like, really go into it. You're intense. Um, But that's not, like, really a thing you can do in, like, your home. It's just like weird at a music festival or in the wilderness is like a way different story. I and would, it's like yeah. once a year, I think I'm, I don't know. We'll see even if I continue to do this. I, I feel w- like the door is open and I kind of got the answers I wanted. And sometimes I feel like if people do a little too many psychedelics, they can kind of start. 
Things can slip. Things can, like, slip. Yeah, your gears can start turning in some weird directions. Mm -hmm. The thought pattern is pretty crazy. Um, It changes the way you perceive things, and it definitely has had a very profound effect on my happiness in, like, the most positive way um, because it... I perceive reality different and react to it differently. Not so that we I, I, promote drug use on this podcast, but no, yes, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, it's definitely made me make better choices. It's made me aware of things. And I've realized that I could like get to my potential. If I was more aware of these choices and were better off making them, like it, it made them more frequently and nobody, like I'm not perfect, man. Like I struggle with actually eating sugar. That's my big, that's like, the thing that I fucking struggle with. Um, and I've, I've been on a good course, like losing weight and I've lost 15 pounds, but it's been, it's taken me like years of like trying to figure this out. And only recently I've like had some success with it. Um, but yeah, more often than not, like I do make better choices and that's why I don't do drugs. That's why I like, I don't watch TV. Like we talked about earlier. Um, cause for me, that's not a good choice. Cause I spend all my time working on my music and promoting my brand and networking and all of those choices is like led me to to kind of be like ultra efficient like yeah if you're failing and you're watching even half hour of netflix i i i so what i, I do like i actually work from 8 30 uh every day till about 11 at night um like seven days a week like beast mode you know and like even if i'm like out at a show i'm networking like i i, I just like and it's not like a job where you're like serving burgers and you're physically getting tired i'm like a lot of conversations is like the work that I do or like, you know, being in front of a computer making music. You're telling me. Yeah. So, you know, lots about it. Um, but yeah, the it, doing psychedelics have like led me to see that potential. Like I just work on my goals like constantly and like come up with new goals too, like weekly, monthly, yearly. Like I'm like 10 years out to where like, like all these fractals of goals are going to take me and I'm not going to meet all of them. That's unrealistic. But if I have like, you know, 5,000 goals, like, I'm sure I can, like, reach a lot of them. And I know some people don't have any. Like, how fucked up is that? Yeah. Like, people that are bored. I've seen people posting about being bored, man. Do you Have you experienced boredom in a while? I haven't personally experienced boredom in a couple of years. It's weird. I can tell you the last time I was bored. And it was, like, <laughs> the month before somebody showed me the Psalm documentary when I got into wine. I was, like, sitting around on EI you know uh doing unsavory things and i was bored i would i would get up in the morning and i well and you know what's funny is i was i was writing music then too and yeah. i'd write i'd write music for like three four hours and you know we i got to a point this is like when we first met actually and i was writing like a tune in like two or three hours and it was like whatever pump it out uh i can't remember the, who the guy that said you should do that was anyways um and I was so bored. I would write a tune from like 10 till 1, and then I'd sit there for hours watching Netflix. Oh, my God. Yeah. Smoking cannabis, Dude. doing nothing. And it was literally like two well, – I'd been doing that for close to a year, writing a tune a day almost or working on tunes and then sitting around for like four hours, five hours, six hours watching Netflix. Sarah would get home, and then I'd sit around on the couch for like another – five hours stay up late get up at 10 in the morning work on tunes and yeah. uh yeah then i then i was like honestly and anybody that listens to me you know i just really got excited i get excited about ideas but people are lazy everybody's lazy i'm lazy too um but i got i got i got showing wine and i got excited about wine and i literally have took a class have you ever four told this story 
uh about about like sitting about around where, like about like how you even got into this yeah, yeah well i have... tell people that i watched a do- i saw a documentary yeah. called psalm and i got this idea it's, just, it's interesting it. you talking about it now because i recall this because it's like when i met you just like went and did it anyways yeah. i'm sorry to cut in it's no, just like amazing thinking about this now because i like seen your progression it's gnarly it was right when we met because all i was trying to do was like sit around smoke weed and network <laughs> And like try and sh- sell people my shitty tunes that I listen <laughs> back on, and I'm like, fuck, you barely worked on this. Like, this could have been so much better had you put the more effort into it. And uh, yeah, that's right when we first met. And then like we met, and I left the vineyard, and here we are, three years later, three and a half years later, and like, you know, things changed. I went from a sales background to being able to like really amalgamate expertise in wine and i've always been into cannabis and now uh now i do my the two things i'm like really passionate about i never thought i'd like wine the when you compared your knowledge to cannabis and the parallels in wine and your excitement in it i remember being like wow there's like an entire like fused market here that's gonna like blossom because it was like very ahead of like what was happening now what's taking place now and it's it's gnarly because it was like it was definitely a fired idea. It was the first time I've ever heard of it. Cannabis infused like gourmet food and like wine and cannabis. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds wicked, man. I hope that becomes a reality. And you're like, oh, buddy, it is. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, it looks sick, dude. Like, I believe you. You got me. I was like stoked. I laughed. I started. I've told people the story of it. And like now it's like happening. It's so trendy. This is nuts. It's literally the future of dining. Uh, West Hollywood just got yeah. their first like cannabis consumption restaurants. It's gonna be all over the world. It's yeah. It's, a, it's a great experience for people, and it's like safe. Yeah, it's a safe, really nice experience that can be like tailored to like be like top notch. But like regular people with like not big budgets can like, you can take it anywhere, just like food, wine, anything. It's gnarly yep and i yeah yeah that's i love i loved hearing you tell that because i remember i I remember sitting at chibo on like a mandate like three and a half years ago and like being all stoked up on this idea because i literally just got the idea and uh (laughs) yeah it was gnarly it made so much sense it didn't sound crazy i was like he's like i was like you're so fucking right and all you got to do is just work jobs for other people for a little bit and get that knowledge because anybody you know what here's the thing i want to talk about this um, you can't just be an entrepreneur out of school. Like you don't get to just go to school, never have a job and then like create your own business. Sure. It might work for some people, but like, if you don't have the experience, you said I've sold $150 million of produce, like that's gangster, but you don't get that opportunity. If you had come out of school and been like, no, so I, I walked into it just like I worked at Superstore when I was 16. I was like, I grad, quit grade 12 and got into like an alternate education program through my vice principal. And it was like art infused learning about yourself to like prepare you for the world of working. And then I went, got a job at Superstore. And I was like, I like tried so hard. I was like on time. And like, I went back to school and, and, and got good grades and got a bunch of, uh, like uh like grants and shit for school it was like doing good there but like really like was like i want to be like a grocery manager for some reason i don't know it's like this sounds like a good thing and they're like you're too young so at 18 i like moved out here and like started at no 19 i moved out here 2008 started at a superstore and like walked in was like yo i have like some experience but like 
I'll do whatever it takes. Like I'll like work graveyard shifts, 12 year hours, like whatever. I have nothing here. I like moved here with a backpack and like I sleep on a mattress that I pulled out of the, like the dumpster, dude. Like it's covered in cardboard. Like I'd rather be here, dude. And he's like, wow, you're nuts. And I was like, when can I start? I, he's like, yeah, in like a few days, we got to get your like shit done. I was like, well, I'm going to go to Zeller's and get some like black pants and come and help you for the rest of the afternoon. He's like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. So I like started helping. And I was like, I'll be back tomorrow. And he's like, whatever. Like, obviously you can't, you're not going to not show up. And I was like, yeah, I'll show up. Like, fuck, see ya. And uh, I just kept working like that. And I worked like that for like a year and a half and then went from like, 19 year old nobody to like leading this like man i was like assistant manager and then uh in the union and then i became like a salaried manager out of the union like in his like assistant michael and uh dude we had like crazy increases and grew that business to like from like 275,000 a week to like 350 and that was like big numbers like back in 2008 and then i took over the department within like two years it was like good money um with the garden center in the summer i think the teams were like 50 50 people large well i had an assistant that was like 50 and i was like 20 years old 21 years old and the stuff you learned the knowledge that you collected the the amount of like the volume there was like nuts and then and the later my career went to city market and worked at like their independent franchise side of the business and uh like it was like a conventional shop, not discount like Superstore or Walmart, and that was interesting. And then I've since moved to like that independent grocer, and it's just been like such a transition of stuff. And then we're you know helping out with my girlfriend's food truck. Um, I don't even think we like talked about that, but I've like helped them decide a menu and everything on this food truck. And um, yeah, the the crooked crepe, it's fusion crepes. That's crazy. Yeah. I almost I almost want to leave on that note because I feel like this is a good length for yeah, podcast. Sure. Like yeah, sure. you know, you uh you crushed it. You you chose something that you wanted to do in your your yeah, knowledge like, now. Like getting all you... the different experiences and like trying like it's all the, the, the produce and selling stuff and business and, and networking through business has been like leading me in music now. I'm right. using those same techniques and you were saying like somebody out of school it's like all about just getting like little bits of experience learning from somebody like you you've inspired you like you getting that idea of is like holy shit like this guy like figured something out before it happened and believed in it, and now he's doing it like little inspirations like that like people need to surround themselves with like hard-working inspired people i appreciate that and it's hard to surround yourself with people making friends is so hard but it's uh it's but when you make a good friend like i said like you're a good friend i trust you i love you i like th- i wish you nothing but happiness and like i've only really hung out with you like 10 times 10 times and i love you too i talk about you all the yeah. time i feel like i know you so deeply <laughs> and when you find good friends man it's just like that you know and then you get you just get more the more you put into it making good choices networking positively well you know what thank you so much for taking the time for to sure, talk man. to me on the podcast i honestly am so excited for five years from now, 10 years from now, for us to listen back on this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And just to see where things went. Where we both are, man. It's going to be so cool. I know big things are in your future. You've got some releases coming up and you've got some stuff signed and yeah. lots of music coming out. So tell everybody one last time before we let them go where they can find you and where they can find all your music and break it down. I'm, I'm on Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, Facebook. Uh, it's it's all small beats, um, one word. Uh, yeah, I guess. How you really smell it? Small beats, S-M-O-L, small, I guess, small beats, B-E-A-T-S. 
um yeah i got some releases coming out on rapture studios my my own label do digital uh remix off act uh it's it's kind of endless i've had so many opportunities but but yeah man thank you so much for for having me on this it's been very enlightening to talk about all these things i feel like energized for the rest of my day oh i love it and uh i i can't wait to put this out and i hope it pumps other people up so let's have a have a cheers and i'll let yeah. everybody go and thanks thanks so much for chatting cheers man cheers Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.